one man is the most honored athlete in Federation history. Rap the Hitman Hart, the only two-time Intercontinental Champion, two-time Tag Team Champion, and two-time World Wrestling Federation Champion. Best there is, best there was, and the best there ever will be. The other, the leader of the new generation. Big Daddy Blue Diesel, the only man in World Wrestling Federation history to win all three titles in one year. Their previous encounters were marred by injustice. Look at this carnage. It's like a back alley gang fight. But this time, the laws have changed. No count-ups, no disqualification, no time limit. The match can only terminate in a pinfall or submission. The champion. I'm going to take care of you once and for all. We're going to find out who's the best. The challenger. The excellence of execution is going to bring you down. Diesel, the truck stops here. The title. I know that you got that belt. It belongs to me. I've got something you want. But it's dear to me, too. The Survivor Series. I don't like your odds. Milton Bradley, Karate Fighters, presents the 1995 WWF Survivor Series. Hey, wrestling fans, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine podcast. Before we dive into the actual show, we just want to remind you where you can find us. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the wrestling time machine. You can also follow us on Twitter at W-R-E-S-T-L-T-I-M. M-A-C-H, the Wrestling Time Machine podcast is on Twitter. You can also follow the Wrestling Time Machine on Tumblr. You can also email the show at Machine at gmail.com. We want to be a part of the show. We want to hear your memories. We want to hear what you're thinking about what we're watching. And you can do that by just emailing the show at Machine at gmail.com. Because we'll read your emails live on the air. Also, you can check out our Kofi. That's Kofi.com forward slash the wrestling time machine. Go there and any donation that you make goes right back in towards producing the show. Uh, producing the podcast unfortunately does not pay the bills and anything that you can throw our way, even just a retweet, helps us out. So check out our Kofi and if you want to help support the show for free you can leave us a rating on itunes that's uh, or apple podcast whatever it's called now uh, you can leave us a rating on itunes because that helps us out that gets more people uh, that helps more people find us on itunes so check that out and please don't forget to support the show you can also check out the other shows that we do nerdfix strangers and Pokemon Mind and Body at nerdfixstrangers.com forward slash listen. Leith, where can people find you on the internet? I'm, at, um, I'm on Twitter at pariah underscore lane, P-A-R-I-A-H underscore L-A-Y-N-E. I have an Instagram for myself that's Leith underscore gray where I mostly just post like random stuff, a lot of art and and toys, and then I also have a dinosaur underscore toy underscore adventure, which is pretty much just what it sounds like. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then I still have a short story up on Amazon, which you can just search Leith Gray and it should pop up. Very cool. You can follow me on Tumblr at Space King Bobby's blog and at Space King Comics. You can also follow me on Twitter at Space King Bobby. And don't forget to check out EvetMakesThings.com for all sorts of cool wrestle buddies, nerdy badges, comics, jewelry, dream catchers, stockings. You know, if uh, the holidays are coming up, you can get yourself a cool nerdy stocking. So check out EvetMakesThings.com for all your geeky finery and accessories. Welcome, wrestling fans. If you're listening to this, you're listening to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bobby Fisher, and on the line with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Leith Gray. Hello. Hello. Good morning. It is a cool October morning. Fall has officially started. Such a jerk. I mean... I'll, I'll take I'll take fall weather over blistering ninety degree heat in October any day. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's okay. It's hoodie weather. It's uh, apple cider and pumpkins and jack o' lanterns and spoopy times weather. That's uh, that's that's a good time, is what that is. But we are here, we have traveled back in time to November of 1995, y'all, and we are going to watch WWE Survivor Series 1995. Because we like to torture ourselves and everyone else around us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, isn't that the truth? <laughs> So, this is actually, a little peek behind the curtain, this is actually our second attempt at watching this. Uh, we tried it about a week ago, and technical difficulties make fools of us all. Yes. So, we get to torture ourselves twice with this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it won't be that bad. I, I'll pretend I remember. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, of course, if you want to watch along with us, we're going to be watching this on the WWE Network. Uh, what we like to do, if this is your first time, if this is your first watch along with us, what we like to do is go over some trivia about the event. Uh, sort of some, just some interesting facts and notes about the event. We're going to go over that. Once we get through that, you're going to hear us do a countdown. Uh, it's actually going to be a very specific countdown. It's going to be the one, two, three kids music in reverse. So it'll say three, two, one, and then you'll hear us press play, and you'll want to hit play on your device accordingly. And join us for uh, Survivor Series 1995. So with that said, let's jump into some trivia. Uh, now, WWE Survivor Series 1995, of course, it was known as the World Wrestling Federation back then. This took place on Sunday, November 19th, 1995, and the attendance was 14,500 people, earning $250,000. 
the buy rate for the event was 0.57 buy rate, and that translates to 179,405 buys at $24.95 per buy. That's a total of 4,476,154.75. And that gives us a total box office of $4,726,154.75. Now, of course, when we talk about numbers, we like to compare it to the uh, competition here. And in this case, this is going to be World Championship Wrestling, WCW World War III. Now, the attendance for Survivor Series was 2,500 more people than WCW World War III, meaning that the WWE earned $137,000 more than WCW for their event. Uh, The buy rate, the WWE earned 0.14 more buys than uh, WCW World War III, and that earned them a total of $693,401.75 more than WCW World War III. And the total box office for uh, between the two events, uh, the WWE Survivor Series 1995 pay-per-view event earned $830,401.75 more than WCW World War III. Now, the other event that we wanted to sort of compare this to is the, I wouldn't say necessarily equivalent, but the closest thing that WCW had to Survivor Series, which was Fall Brawl War Games. Wouldn't you agree, Leah? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's... It's the most similar. It it is the most similar, because, of course, the the main draw for Survivor Series is big team tag team matches, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the same big draw with uh, Fall Brawl, and especially with War Games, the War Games match. You know, you have a a big team... uh, match as as your main event as opposed to say maybe a singles match or a singles championship match uh in some way so i i think they're they're the most similar as far as like you know wcw wwe compares and i thought it would be very interesting to sort of compare those two events so as far as a debut goes uh the wwe survivor series event debuted in 1987 and WCW Fall Brawl War Games debuted a few years later in 1993. Leith, why don't you hit us with what those main events were? Sure thing. Uh, WWF slash WWE Survivor Series was uh, Andre the Giant, Butch Reed, King Kong Bundy, One Man Gang, and Rick Rude with Bobby Heenan and Slick defeating Bam Bam Bigelow, Don Morocco, Hulk Hogan, Ken Patera and Paul Orndorff with Oliver Humperdinck. Uh, Morocco was not scheduled to compete in the match, but replaced Billy Graham, who was originally scheduled to be Hogan's teammate, but retired because of a uh, hip injury. 
they suffered during a match against Reed earlier. Mm. Um, WCW Fall Brawl War Games with Sting, Davy Boy Smith, Dustin Rhodes, and the Shockmaster with Road Warrior Animal defeating Sid Vicious, Vader, and Harlem Heat, Cole and Kane at that time, with uh, Harley Race and Colonel Robert Robert Parker. So it's a it's a really uh, interesting sort of dichotomy between the two uh, main events. And again, I mean, you can even see that Harlem Heat was going by uh, different names at that time, Cole and Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you even had uh, Dustin Rhodes, who must have been especially green at that time, in the main oh, yeah. event. <laughs> and everybody's favorite, uh, you know, tripping guy, the Shockmaster. So funny. <laughs> I didn't know, I like, I honestly didn't know he actually was in matches after that. I thought it was just like, he debuted and then they're just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been it. <laughs> like, never mind. <laughs> Alright, now the, the uh, just some trivia about the debuts. Uh, Survivor Series was added to the WWE's pay-per-view calendar or event calendar after WrestleMania 3 as a way to help market the success from Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant's rivalry at the time. Vince McMahon actually threatened cable companies who aired the NWA's Starcade, which would go head uh, excuse me, which would go head to head with Survivor Series on Thanksgiving night in 1987. And instead of Survivor Series, those cable companies, like if they aired Starcade, they would not be allowed to broadcast WrestleMania 4. Uh, most cable providers gave in to McMahon's threat, and only a handful aired the Starcade event. Now, of course, WrestleMania 3 was arguably one of the biggest events of the time, so it was a proven success, but that's still kind of maybe, uh, you know, not all that ethical to do that. Yeah, well, it is Vince. Yeah. Not is he ever ethical? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's uh, that's very true. He's a a shrewd businessman. A, a shrewd businessman indeed. I mean, I, I give him credit for the things he has done right. You know, like uh, how much he took care of Brian Pillman's wife and everything after after that happened, and and you know some of the other things he's done. Uh, but, yeah, very, very shrewd, ruthless businessman. And I suppose sometimes you have to be. So, with that said, Leith, where did these two events take place when they debuted? Uh, let's see. Survivor Series took place on Thursday, November 26, 1987, at Richfield Coliseum in Richfield Township, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, WCW Fall Brawl War Games took place on Sunday, September 19, 1993, at the Astro Arena in Houston, Texas. Very cool. So the attendance for 1995, uh, getting back to what we're actually comparing, which is the 95 WWE Survivor Series and 95 uh, Fall Brawl War Games, 7,900 more people attended WWE Survivor Series, earning $178,000 more than WCW Fall Brawl War Games. Now, the buy rate for 1995, uh, WWE Survivor Series earned 0.09 more buys than WCW Fall Brawl War Games, earning $253,999.80 more 
than WCW Fall Brawl War Games. And that gives us a total box office for 1995 of the WWE Survivor Series event earning $431,999.80 more than WCW Fall Brawl War Games. So, just some interesting uh, comparisons there. I, I think one of the other things, and this is something that, you know, even this early in 1995 that we're seeing that WCW struggles with is sort of promoting anything on the undercard. Right. You know, and, and to that end, you know, in their defense, WCW only had a couple weeks to build up Fall Brawl War Games on on TV on Nitro. Yeah, I mean this was this was pretty early in with everything changing and that, yeah. so it's kind of to be expected. It's like I guess when like there's a new company doing new things, and it's not like WCW was new, but Nitro was new. And they right. kind of altered everything. You're either going to get everybody flocking there to see what this new product is all about, or people just kind of not being sure. And at this time, with having to pay so much for pay-per-views and that, it's kind of like, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's it's, uh, it's very fair. So, I think it's kind of a wait and see for the fans at this point. Mm-hmm. I, think th- I think that's a fair assessment. Absolutely. Uh, now, that said, let's move on to some trivia about the venue. Leith, what can you tell us about the venue? Let's see. Uh, U.S. Air Arena in Landover, Maryland. It broke ground on August of 1972, mm-hmm. opened Sunday, December 2nd, 1973, and was closed in 1999 because we have to close all of our arenas at some point. <laughs> they, arenas do not last forever, people. They don't. Not anymore. <laughs> look upon, look upon my work, she mighty in despair. Uh, see, it was demolished Sunday, December fifteenth, two thousand and two. So it took quite a while for them to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's sure. weird. Like, why would you close it and wait, you know, three years to demolish it? Maybe some red tape or waiting for people to buy the property. Who knows? Sure. And that makes sense. Uh, See, Capital Center was the primary home for the Washington Capitals of the National Hockey League and the Washington Bullets of the National Basketball Association. Mm -hmm. The Bullets moved to the Washington area from nearby Baltimore, and the Capitals were an expansion team in the arena's second year. In 1993, the air carrier U.S. Air purchased the naming rights for the building and the arena became known as U.S. Air Arena. When the airline went through its 1996 rebranding and became U.S. Airways, the name of the arena accordingly changed to U.S. Airways Arena. <clears throat> in 1997, U.S. Airways naming rights deal came to an end after the now Wizards and Capitals moved to a new arena, the MCI Center, now known as the Capital One Arena in downtown Washington. And the arena once again became known as Capital Center. Most TV and radio crews broadcasting from the venue referred to it by its nickname, Cap Center, the venue was demolished in December 2002, as we said before, mm-hmm. though its name lived on in a shopping complex located on the former site of the arena as the Boulevard at the Capitol Center. Woo! Strip malls! It's almost a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
I don't know, like a grave site for the <laughs> Capitol Arena. Okay. It's located just outside the Capitol Beltway, Interstate 495, at exit 16, less than a mile. Southeast of FedEx Field, the home of the Washington Redskins of the National Football League. The first event was held on Sunday, December 2nd, 1973, an NBA game featuring the Capitol Bullets defeating the Seattle Supersonics 98-96. to Very cool. And, you know, with that said, like you said, Leith, with it being a shopping complex now and being kind of sad, like a gravesite. Who knows? Maybe it's haunted by the spirits of uh, old hockey players and basketball players. Yes. <laughs> you just hear balls bouncing and skates gliding as you walk through the, the shopping mall. Ooh. Spooky. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, uh, there have been a number of wrestling events at the at the venue. Uh, a total of 168 wrestling shows at this arena, uh, going so far back as Monday, June 10th, 1974. So not very long, about seven months or so after it opened, or, uh, with the WWE's first event taking place at the arena on Monday, June 10th, 1974. Now this was when they were actually the WWWF. And that was the World Wide Wrestling Federation. The main event for that uh, for that wrestling event was the WWWF champion Bruno Sammartino defeating Don Leo Jonathan. Uh, there haven't been any additional pay-per-views at the venue since then, or uh, you know, within the venue's lifetime, though. And so with that, we move on to some Wrestling Observer fan poll numbers. Now, for this, the 10th place is rounded up based on the 100th digit, and this is based on 226 votes, if my math is right. Uh, fingers crossed. Math is dumb, <laughs> kids. Uh, thumbs up for the event, 165 votes for a total of 73%. Thumbs down. 32 votes for a total of 14.2%. And in the middle, 29 votes at 12.8%. So it did get overwhelmingly positive feedback. Yeah, people seem to enjoy it. Yeah. Was this, at, this would be at the time? Yes. Okay. Just double checking. Yes. We travel back and forth so often, I'm never sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, these were votes solicited at the time. So speaking of votes solicited at the time, Leith, hit us with the best match poll. So you start off with uh, Bret Hart versus Diesel mm -hmm. getting 30.83% of the votes. 38.3, yes, or 79 uh, votes. The Body Donna's the 1-2-3 Kid, Dr. Tom Pritchard, Rad Radford, and Skip with Sonny and Ted DiBiase versus the Underdogs, Barry Horowitz, Bob Holly, Hakushi, and Marty Jannetty with 54 votes, which is 26.2% of the votes. Mm -hmm. Ahmed Johnson, the British Bulldog with Jim Cornette, Shawn Michaels, and Psycho Sid with Ted DiBiase versus Dean Douglas, Owen Hart, Razor Ramon, and Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji at 47 votes, making that 22.8%. Mm -hmm. Aja Kong, Bertha Faye, Lioness Os... Oh my gosh. <laughs> Asha? <laughs> and Tomoko Watanabe with Harvey Whippleman versus Alundra Blaze, Chaparita Asari, Kyoko Inoue, Inoue, 
annoy. That, yeah, I think that's correct. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Everybody, and it's early. It's Saki very early. Hasegawa at 26 votes, uh, making that they had 12.6 percent mm-hmm. of the the votes. So those are your best matches, and I have a feeling. If I remember correctly, the worst matches are going to have some of the same. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's take a look at the worst match polls. Now, this is based on... Pardon me while I fix my headset. <laughs> this is uh, the worst match poll based on 187 votes, if my math is right. Now, uh, you have Goldust versus Bam Bam Bigelow winning the poll at 127 votes, or 67.9%. The dark side, Fatu, Henry O. Godwin, Savio Vega, and The Undertaker with Paul Bearer versus The Royals, the team of Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Isaac Yankum, DDS, Jerry Lawler, and King Mabel with Sir Mo at 33 votes for 17.6% of the vote. Bret Hart versus Diesel at 14 votes with 7.5%. And Aja Kong, Bertha Faye, Lioness Asuka, and Tomoko Watanabe with Harvey Whippleman versus Alundra Blaze, Chaparita Asari, Kyoko Inoue, and Saki Hasegawa at 13 votes, or 6.3% of the votes. So it's one of the worst matches and one of the best matches. <laughs> I guess it makes it right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we we talked about this when we when we first watched it. People at that time probably didn't... The, the bulk of people at that time sort of attending this event, and maybe even watching this event, probably weren't, A, interested in women's wrestling, which is a shame in its own right, and B, probably didn't know what to make of a lot of these Japanese women's wrestlers. Right. Like, at this time, there's maybe one women's match every few months, mm-hmm. if that... Um, that w- probably wouldn't go longer than five to ten minutes. Yes, uh, if at the most. <laughs> That's like the longest the, the women's matches have been. Um, so American audiences aren't really used to seeing women's matches. They're used to seeing women like Sunny mm-hmm. or like, you know, like in, in ECW, some of the ladies there just kind of more like eye candy that occasionally takes bumps. Mm-hmm. So seeing these kick butt like Japanese wrestlers who aren't really all that worried about how pretty they look or not like they're worried about getting out there and wrestling so Mm -hmm. it's kind of I just don't think at the time American audiences probably weren't ready for it right it was still kind of a backward time for wrestling fans. Yeah, and you know, the the other thing to uh, of note here is while the ECW ladies at this time were uh, like you mentioned, uh, maybe a little little bit more on the eye candy side who occasionally took bumps, they the bumps they did take were pretty nasty. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not knocking the women at all, but yeah. it's a very different vibe than like Aja Kong. <laughs> sure. Right, absolutely. <laughs> like when they had Luna Vachon wrestling, it was like, okay, but I'm here for this. It's, it's yeah, it's it's different. Like I respect those women for taking the bumps they took, for sure. Mm-hmm. But obviously that's not what the promoters had in yeah. mind for them. Beulah's mailbox segment is Hall of Fame worthy. 
<laughs> is all I'll say. That said, <laughs> we have some trivia. So, Leith, why don't you start us off with that first trivia bit? We'll kind of go back and forth on this. Sure. This was the first Survivor Series to be held on a Sunday. First Survivor Series not to take place on Thanksgiving Eve or night. What do you think about that? Like, would you be into watching wrestling on Thanksgiving night? Yes. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, oh my goodness. I feel like we've done that because they they did, like, Thanksgiving segments a lot in WWE. I remember that being a thing. Any any time, like, a holiday like that sort of uh, falls on the same day... As a as a or even around the same day as a as a wrestling event on a calendar, you're gonna see something, right? Yeah, because like we we usually do our Thanksgiving meals fairly early, mm. so by the time like like if it's Thanksgiving night, I'd much rather watch wrestling than football. Yeah, they just kind of chill and and watch wrestlers do their thing. That'd be that'd be pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. I would I would dig that. Well, for the longest time, we always had two Thanksgivings that we went to. Right mm. uh, when I was growing up, so we had uh, my mom's side of the family. We would do that sort of early in the day. That would be like a like a big lunch thing, right? And then later in the evening, we would have my dad's side of the family. And I mean, by the time everything was done, everybody was done eating. It's like okay, it's time to go home and collapse into a coma. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, plus, I. Like, I don't know about anybody else. Like, I mean, I love wrestling, but I just have a hard time getting into it while I'm eating. Like, I could I could watch it, like, after I eat, but I, I don't know if I could watch it, like, while I'm eating. Oh, really? I have a, I have a weird tradition with, like, pay-per-views where I like to get, uh, the like, cheddar and sour cream chips and, like, mm. a Pepsi. Hmm. That's, like, my, my wrestling treat for, like, sure. big pay-per-views. Not all the time, but for like yeah. like WrestleMania or like oh, yeah, Survivor absolutely. Series, like that's my that's my go-to. Like WrestleMania was my one exception because it would like that's kind of our Super Bowl, so it, yeah, would, yeah. Um, but that that's really probably going to be changing in the next couple months as we get as we try to get caught up with Chikara. I think we're probably going to make like our our big Super Bowl thing, maybe like Anniversario. Or some, you know, one of the the Chikara events because Chikara is great, and I don't walk away from Chikara ever feeling disappointed as a viewer. Gotcha. And That's... also check out Excellence Pro Wrestling, everybody. They're great too. And they let me work for them. That's right. <laughs> I get to help out and do stuff. It's great. Yeah, she's learning the ropes, literally. <laughs> so uh, I love it. <laughs> check out Excellence Pro Wrestling and check out Chikara. You can get Chikaratopia with all of their seasons, all of their events, only $7.99 a month, and you get your first week free. So check that out. Uh, that said, we move on to our next trivia bit. The 1-2-3 kid in the match with the Body Donnas was actually substituting for noted pirate and... You know, if you thought we like to torture ourselves, take a look at this guy, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, known today as PCO, uh, in the Body Donnas versus Underdogs match. So the 1-2-3 kid was substituting for him. Uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte was unable to compete due to a hernia operation. And Bob Holly substituted for Avatar. You guys remember Avatar, right? 
uh, Al Snow's uh, brief uh, ninja yes. character that would come out without a mask and put the mask on before the match. Uh, Bob Holly substituted for Avatar in this same match. You guys, Did we, they say why Avatar wasn't in it? I didn't have any, any details on that, but uh, I'm just disappointed we didn't get an Avatar pay-per-view appearance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, now, Leith, what's our what's our next bit of trivia? Uh, let's see. Bret Hart was the first wrestler to break the Spanish announce table at this event. Dios mío. Big trivia. The Spanish announce table hardly ever survives pay-per-views anymore. Hardly ever. So so Brett started that wonderful tradition. At least for Survivor Series. Wrecking the, the Spanish announce table. That's right. Uh, now, this is the final WWE pay-per-view appearance for Bam Bam Bigelow. Bye-bye, Bam Bam. Bye-bye, Bam Bam. The Smoking Guns wrestled Public Enemy before the event started, so that would be a dark match. And that probably would have been a pretty cool dark match. But we'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, Now, this is the first Survivor appearance and the only Survivor Series uh, win for Goldust. That's actually kind of a shame, considering how long he worked for the WWE. Right? (laughs) Well, yeah. And apparently it was the least favorite match. Yeah. Well, again, this was a... Nobody liked it. And he's still wrestling, and he is fantastic in the ring. So it's kind of like he's... He's come a long way. He has come a long way. And, you know, it's... Again, at this time, very new character. Very new concept. Uh, for broad American audiences, this is, you know, they they didn't know what to make of it. So, uh, that said, what's our what's our next bit of trivia, Leith? It's the first WWF pay-per-view appearance for Mr. Perfect since WrestleMania 10 in 1994. Very cool. It's so also, it, sorry, go he's ahead. He's what, been gone for like a year, year and a half? Yeah, a little, little over a year. Uh... Yeah, it would probably be a year and a half. That's probably pretty close. Uh, Now, this is the first WWE pay-per-view appearance and the first pay-per-view, WWE pay-per-view match for Ahmed Johnson. That, That dude is a beast. He was ripped back in the day. That is true. Yeah. During the Body Donnas versus Underdogs match, Marty Jannetty eliminated Skip after a powerbomb from the top rope. When Chris Candido Skip returned to ECW in late 1996, he started using that very move, calling it the Blonde Bombshell, as his finisher. And that's a pretty cool move. And I, I love that name for, for that. That's really neat. Uh, now, this is the final in-ring WWE pay-per-view appearance for Shane or as he's known here, Dean Douglas. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There's a lot of bye-byes in this. Yeah. (laughs) It's a final WWF pay-per-view appearance for a Lunger Blaze, save for a one-off appearance at WWE Evolution in 2018. 23 years later. Yes. 
this is the final WWE pay-per-view appearance for Rad Radford. And the final WWF pay-per-view appearance for Bertha Faye. Aww. This is the only WWE pay-per-view appearance for Rad Radford, Lioness Asuka, Saki Hasegawa, Chaparita Asai, Kyoko Inoue, Tomoko Watanabe, and Aja Kong. Poor Rad Radford. Poor first Rad and last. Radford. First and last appearance. He got one. He got one pay-per-view. You get one. <laughs> more than most people get. I mean, yeah. I've never had a pay-per-view appearance. I don't know about you, but I've, I've never had one. I've never had a pay-per-view appearance, but I have attended a pay-per-view. Very good. So You weren't on camera at all? Nope. Nosebleed seats. Uh, one day. One day it'll be your turn. Yeah, maybe. So... When uh, Marty Jannetty hit the rocker dropper on Skip, commentator Mr. Perfect said, that'll break a neck. On December 11th, 1990, the rockers Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty defeated the team of the genius Lanny Poffo and Charles Austin in a match in Tampa, Florida, where Austin suffered a broken neck because he set up for the rocker dropper incorrectly, trying to take a forward roll instead of the standard face-first bump. Jannetty quickly rolled Austin over, and Michaels came off the top with a fist drop for the pin. The match was taped but never televised. Doctors at the time thought Austin might be paralyzed from the neck down for life. By 1994, he had regained some feeling in his arms and legs and was able to move around on crutches. He later sued WWE, Michaels, and Jannetty for $3.8 million. On April 29, 1994, a Hillsborough County, Florida jury awarded Austin... $26.7 million, ruling that Titan Sports, WWE's official parent company, was 90% responsible, Jannetty was 5% responsible, and that Austin himself was 5% responsible. So that's such a, a, a weird sort of ratio with that, right? It is and it isn't, I guess, because it's like, it. I don't know, it's it's a kind of a hard thing to, to judge unless you really know the ins and outs of professional wrestling. Yeah, and I mean, I like, suppose it's on Titan Sports or, or the WWE for allowing the move to be uh, done in a match, right? Right, and I, I don't know what their like contracts and stuff are, if they're like considered liable for injuries and that kind of thing that might have played into it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, usually nowadays, if a wrestler takes a bump incorrectly it's on that wrestler yeah typically that's that's who takes the blame um most wrestlers that i've known that have taken a bump incorrectly would be like oh it's my fault like that's why i got injured kind of thing so it's Mm -hmm. kind of interesting to see that this went that way um perhaps just because of the the extent of the injury i don't know i mean obviously wrestlers do not have insurance. Um, they are considered, was it uh, like contractors, basically independent contractors. In- independent contractors. So they don't have insurance coverage by the company that they work for, which is a shame. Y'all, universal healthcare needs to be a thing. If you care about the health of wrestlers, you should want universal healthcare. Just. At the very least, they should provide insurance. They shouldn't be considered independent contractors if they're, at least if they're under contract for one specific company. Right. And like, it's not like the the wrestlers at the time. Like, if you were under contract for WWE, you can only wrestle for WWE. Mm-hmm. So they should 
take care of your like health insurance, at least set something up. Right, and it's such a completely different thing than working for the WWE versus working on the independent scene. Oh, you know? for sure. Uh, it, it's... They're a huge corporation. <laughs> they have more money than God at this point, and they continue to make an obscene amount of money with their Saudi Arabia blood money shows. So, there's no we're get, reason... We're getting a little political here. We are, but... <laughs> I, I usually do try to avoid that, but things like health insurance coverage for wrestlers, especially when you are the WWE, a huge corporation, like, that should be a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Like, that should just be automatic that they offer some kind of health insurance for their wrestlers. Care about other people, folks. Yes. People you know. are... You're, you're not going to make money if you don't have people working for you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that said, uh, let's keep going with the trivia. <laughs> we did kind of get off on a tangent. Yes! We get angry. We love our wrestlers and we want to keep them safe and healthy. That's mm-hmm. all. <laughs> uh, now, this is the last WWE pay-per-view match. For Bam Bam Bigelow, Tom Pritchard, Alundra Blaze, Bertha Fay, and Dean Douglas. So many bye-byes. Lots of bye-byes on this event. The final Survivor Series to use the classic red and blue bridge-shaped logo, a tradition for the first time in 1989. Very cool. The times, they are a-changing after a bajillion years. The logos, <laughs> they are a-changing. <laughs> so with that said... We've gone through the trivia, and now we are ready to start the event. Again, you'll hear the countdown. It'll be the 1, 2, 3 kids music in reverse, saying 3, 2, 1. And you'll hear us say play, hit play accordingly, and join us for WWE Survivor Series 1995. So with that said, 3, 2, 1, play. All right. So we got Howard Finkel announcing Mr. Perfect. Yeah, I do like the little uh, projection screen they got there. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's a it's a fun little set. It honestly reminds me of WCW set. <laughs> I could kind of see that. Are you talking about the Saturday night set? Yes, yes. Yeah, Saturday night was... Similar vibe. (laughs) WCW Saturday night had such a very specific aesthetic. Right, yeah. It's very different from pretty much everything else. It's a studio wrestling show, but we also want you to feel like you're in a Terminator factory. (laughs) So we've got some, some tales of the tape of Bret Hart here winning his... Winning the Intercontinental Championship and the WWE Championship. And Diesel, the the leader, the frontrunner of the new generation. Ah, uh, Diesel. <laughs> I like Diesel. Uh, I, no comment. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Nash today is pretty woke for someone of his age, and that's much appreciated. Dude is super left-leaning and super cool. 
Go follow Kevin Nash on Twitter. Uh, so, we're, we're getting some tales of the tape here. You know, speaking of studio wrestling shows, Leah, uh, I took the time out this week, about a day or so ago, to watch uh, NWA Power. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the NWA's new television show that they're putting on, I believe it's uh, on YouTube for free. And that was pretty good. It was pretty interesting. Is there any names on that show that we would recognize? Because I haven't, I haven't seen much about it. Um, Nick Aldis? Maybe? Sounds familiar. But that's about all I can think of. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't familiar with any of the other wrestlers. I, I oh, okay. Had, I had heard of Nick Aldis a little bit, but you know, I I wasn't really familiar with with any of the other wrestlers. Uh, but it was interesting. I dug the uh, sort of old look that the program mm-hmm. had because they give it kind of like a retro look, and it is a studio wrestling program, uh, sort of like the old Southern wrestling programs used to be, right? Uh like, on a scale of, say, like, 10, like 1 to 10 with 10 being the best, like, I would probably give it, like, a solid 7. Gotcha. Uh, the, the wrestling was pretty solid. The main event was pretty solid. Uh, I guess my, my biggest thing is, like, they don't really do entrances as much. Oh, that's weird. And for me, like, I like that. I feel like you kind of get... That's how you should first get to know a wrestler is through sort of their entrance. It's the first yeah, impression it, they make. It really gives you an idea of like, okay, this is this character. You can kind of get a sense if they're a heel or their face, if they're like serious business or a little silly. Like, it, it really is like your your intro to the wrestler. And mm-hmm. most people like, especially kids, like that's what they're gonna base their favorites on is the the entrance because it automatically gives them kind of a idea of who this person is. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, so that that was my my one sort of uh, big gripe. The other thing I would say is maybe Jim Cornette can be fun on commentary, but he's definitely somebody that's sort of like he takes his character very seriously. Ah, he, yes. He is always in character, and he's just the kind of person in wrestling who has definitely sort of worked their whole life into a shoot. And Jim Cornette is, who boy, somebody who uh, not everybody is a fan of on Twitter for, for their own reasons, and that's fine. I get it, and <laughs> those feelings are valid. Yes. I, I didn't necessarily hate Cornette on commentary for the most part, but I really kind of wish he didn't spend his time sort of running down what he doesn't think wrestling is. Ugh. You know, like he talked about, well, there are cosplayers, and then there are these guys. These guys are real. And it's like, wrestling is a lot of things... Let people yeah. enjoy what they enjoy. Yeah, you don't have to be so negative. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with people like that. It's like the second like you're like talking to me, you're using negative 
terms and phrases, it's like, I just tune out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're not somebody that's, that's worth listening to. <laughs> yeah, like, after after hearing what he said about, uh, you know, Effie and, and some other wrestlers, like, I was kind of pretty much done with Cornette. Right. Like, I'm not going to go... Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it's yeah. like, you're... It's still just an opinion. Like, yeah. There, there's no real right or wrong when it comes to to any form of art, especially like like like. I yeah. mean, and that's what wrestling really, truly is. It's an mm-hmm. art form. It's similar to to dance and theater and all of that mixed with this amazing athletic event and competition. Prowess and yeah, skill like, and I mean, it's it, it's like any other storytelling medium. It can it, be fun, it can be thrilling, it can be dramatic, it can be scary. It can be all those things. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to like more than one type of wrestling. You're allowed to like more than one wrestling company. Exactly. You know, I, like, I, I have a lot of different fixtures for a lot of different types of wrestling I enjoy because it's like I don't just enjoy one type of wrestling like I want to see many different forms and Mm -hmm. so it's like I'm gonna check out a little bit of like House of Glory for a little more serious business wrestling that's like just real cool and right I mean they got super talented guys over there it's ridiculous the amount of talent in that locker room or I'll check out like CZW when I want to just see some like kind of old school ECW vibe like mm-hmm. hardcore wrestling or I mean obviously excellence has they're I think they're changing things a little bit but there were I mean they kind of follow the the Chikara ways of having you know some comedy mixed in with the seriousness and all that right and you could do a lot worse to uh, you know take cues from Chikara I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Chikara has been very successful in the past. I don't know where they stand now. Um, I know back when I was more heavily watching it in like 2008 to like 2011 or so. Mm-hmm. I forget when they they kind of disappeared for a while. They were they were pretty big, you know. And they're it's like I I can. And I know more behind the scenes stuff than I I used to, and it's. So my my view on things is a little bit different than it used to be. So I don't want to give too much away, but <laughs> you know, it's 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 a different kind of like wrestling. I mean, they t- they take a lot from like you know like luchador style wrestling and, and uh, comics and and, and and Japanese style wrestling. Yeah. Like it's like all over the place. You got like British style wrestlers like uh, like Travis and that too. Like. It's you just have so many different forms in Chikara, and you get that you see that in excellence as well. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be just one style, right? The whole time. No, you're you're absolutely right, and I mean, again, it's just let people enjoy what they enjoy. Yes, the business, and if you enjoy like you know, crazy Marty Janetti tights and. <laughs> Uh, Rad Radford, like, looking weirdly modern. I, I, I think 
we we mentioned this the last time we watched it. He's one of the the only wrestlers that I could see them just kind of taking out of the ring and putting him in a ring nowadays, and he would still like fit in. He could team with Kevin Owens. It's like it's so weird. Like he just of all the people, he looks like the most modern. I, I love the logo on his singlet, though, because... Big Spinebuster. Because the logo kind of looks like a pizza logo. Ah. It just, I was it, getting a like, Harry Potter vibe from it. <laughs> <laughs> what house is Rad Radford in? <laughs> Big Frog Splash from the 123 Kid. But yeah, I mean, the business changes and evolves. Uh, the business of wrestling, that is. And tastes evolve. Yes. You know, and it, the fans have changed. We have more information than we did in 1995. I mean, internet existed, but like it wasn't like it is now. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> it's like I don't even think we had a computer that could access the internet in 1995. Oh yeah, no, no, we, no, we didn't. didn't. No, I don't think we had one until 1999. Yeah, same. Or 1998, I, somewhere I, in there. Yeah, I, I don't think we, we had a computer that could access the internet until about that time. Let alone having phones that could do it at all times. Right. And having thousands and thousands and thousands of various news sources at your fingertips. Like, like you can, the, the fans are going to know more now. And I think that's a, the interesting thing. Like when we were watching, uh, like we watch a lot of AEW, um, and like Jericho had this promo on the last episode that was so like smarky, and it just like, well, that's their audience though. Like it, it mm-hmm. made sense for him to go that way. They they know their audience knows things that they're not supposed to, <laughs> and they're not gonna just kind of pretend they don't. You know, I think some other companies tend to forget that their audience isn't dumb. <laughs> Where we're not as like blind to everything as we used to be, because it's just there's no way to be unless you yeah. completely avoid every internet and like everything on the internet, every social media site. Mm-hmm. Every like news site, like you have like, to avoid. Just like don't log into anything. You you have to make maybe... <laughs> an effort to sort of be like blind of it. Yeah, that's why like a lot of people like you know during like oh I can't watch this pay per view when it's on, so they're just gonna avoid the internet like for mm-hmm. the day, which is really tough to do nowadays. The the internet has become this weird necessary monster we need to function. Yes. But, but it brings a lot of good things, too. Th- so. there, there are good things and bad things about the Internet as a whole. Our show being one of the good things. <laughs> Our show being one of the great things. <laughs> oh, man. So this match has been, I would say, fun overall. Yeah, it's a it's a fun match. And, it's I a- mean... It it's really a good way goes, to start the show. Yeah, sure. and it goes to show just how talented Chris Candido is. I mean, beautiful top rope Hurricane Rana there. And a nice little fall <laughs> to the to the mat. The the exasper <laughs> the exasperated fall 
I mean, he didn't even catch himself. He just took a face bump for no reason. <laughs> it's it's definitely has a lot less serious of a tone than their usual matches, which is kind of mm-hmm. nice. And it's like, I know a lot of people are against comedic wrestling and all that kind of thing, but it's like, you need that breather. Like, if it's so serious all the time, it's just, like, exhausting for the audience. Yeah, and comedic wrestling is fun. Yes. I mean, I I would point to uh, Los Ice Creams from Chikara as as being some of the most talented wrestlers out there uh, by themselves, but then on top of that, to be, you know, talented at, at... being able to make you laugh and and enjoy like what's going on like that's a talent all in its own and they're extremely talented at that. Yeah, I think uh, one of my favorite matches I've seen in a while was probably Colt Cabana versus Orange Cassidy. Mm-hmm. I am apologizing because I forget the name of the promotion that it was at, but it was at like this like flea market place mm. and like the middle of nowhere it was great and it was so fun because it's just like those two are just so like hilarious oh sure yeah and it's like they don't even have to try to be funny they just are (laughs) and we have the one two three kid in the background there throwing up the uh the click sign which again i that is not something that was known yet for not really no it's you don't see them use it you don't really know like I mean, I, I would imagine maybe there's some of the like, the dirt sheets might have explained it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But again, without use of the internet, like, that's very much a, an insider symbol at this point. It's yeah. not something that was well known by everybody. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, even at this even at this time, the click is really only in its, its very preliminary early stages. Mm-hmm. It's like you see the guys kind of working together, but it's like it, it really wouldn't have been. No, it's not anything in the storylines. It's not a a well known fact at this point. Right. Also, how great is Barry Horowitz and Hakushi's friendship at this time? Oh my god, it's so great. That's one of my favorite like things, and it feels so like like I love moments that just feel kind of organic. Like somebody probably was just like saw them hanging out backstage I was like this could work <laughs> they're just so cute together and Rad Radford very talented there with a big gut wrench suplex and, and Rad trying to you know he's he's trying to impress his teammates here right right I think I would have uh I would have repackaged Rad. I wouldn't have gotten... I would, I would have tried something different with him, you know? So, if Give you're, his, if, you're in charge, if you're in charge of creative, how do you repackage Rad Radford? What's his new character? Who are you going to put him in a program with? That I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> I just... I feel like, like he's a big dude. He's a decent wrestler. He's ahead of the times with his look. I probably would have made him something a little more darker, more metal. Okay. I don't know. Give it, giving him a little more of a serious tone, because I don't feel like the comedy necessarily works for him. Sure. 
Sure, okay, okay. Made him more more menacing and definitely changed the name. To what, I don't know, but definitely not Rad Radford. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not Rad Radford, huh? Yeah. I mean, look at that. Beautiful Northern Lights suplex into a bridge. So, you know, we're talking... We're <laughs> Rad Radford doing the jumping jacks. Again, he wants to be a body Donna. Uh, we're, we're talking about... We're watching an event that takes place around Thanksgiving. Leith, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Mmm... It's either the the stovetop stuffing or the sweet potatoes. Okay, okay. Now somewhere are, in there. Are your sweet potatoes more like a dessert dish with marshmallows? No, no, they're no. just uh, baked. Okay, okay. Now, have you had the sweet potatoes like that before? Yes. Oh my goodness, yes. I actually just eat them as a dessert, though. I don't like. Uh, yeah, I'm weird like that, though. So. <laughs> So I'm not I'm not much of a like I like sweets but like I I try to be somewhat healthy. <laughs> so for me that would be a dessert. It has a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> so I wouldn't have that and like pie. That's that's fair. So I'm I'm a big fan of Thanksgiving stuff just What's my favorite Thanksgiving food? Yes. All of it. Turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing or dressing, depending on, you know, what's being made or available or whatever. Gravy, cranberry sauce, the whole, the whole nine, man. And then, of course, what, what I always like to do the, the following day is uh, make Thanksgiving leftover grilled cheese sandwiches. And I'm thinking maybe this year I might actually put that up as a as a video on how to make one at the Nerdfix Strangers YouTube page. Go check that out, everybody. Hit subscribe. Check out some of the the cool videos we've got up there. And yeah, I mean I I'm just a big old fan of Thanksgiving food, really, just as a whole. Uh, sweet potatoes are great. Uh, anytime we go out to like a like a, it's usually steak places that have them, like steak houses. Uh huh. Anytime we go out to one of those, I'll I'll usually get that as a side, and it's like, it's the only side that you can get with your food that comes with marshmallows. What's not to love? <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, they're 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 really good. They're they're good for you as well. Although not the marshmallows so much. <laughs> yeah, not the not the marshmallows as much. But just the the baked ones are are good for you. And if you use like, I mean, a little bit of butter and stuff isn't bad. That's a, considered a good fat. So mm-hmm. your body does need some fat and and a little bit of carbs. There's a there's a reason these things exist. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think we need sugar necessarily, but. Not gonna say no to some sugar, right? I'm kind of like I, I grew up in a household that was a whole bunch of like nutrition nerds, despite the fact that we're like everybody I, in my family is like overweight. Mm-hmm. But we, we all know how to eat; we just don't <laughs> always do it. <laughs> and we're we were just made to to carry a little little extra weight on us, right? 
It's like once you once you read, reach a certain age in my family, you start getting a belly, no matter what. <laughs> sure. Here comes the the big power bomb. Oh God! Oh, it's always a scary bump. There's so many ways that could go wrong. There's so much height on that. <laughs> it's such like an awkward move. I don't know. Those ones always freak me out a little bit. Not all the like off the top rope stuff bothers me, but like those ones make me like depending on the positioning, it makes me a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Big leg drop from the kid from the top rope. Well, it's a weird design on Marty Jannetty's singlet, isn't it? Those beads. Is that what those <laughs> are supposed to be? I I don't even know. It looks like it would be a fun thing to wear with a black light. Oh, for sure. She come out in that with that. Uh, oh, what's her face? The the glow chick. I can't remember names right now. Naomi? I don't watch stuff. Is it yeah, Naomi? Yeah, They could come out together. I don't know if she's still wrestling, to be honest. Because <laughs> this is how much I watch WWE currently. I have no idea if she's still wrestling. <laughs> and it's like, I know there, there's a lot of like people that are kind of like, oh, WWE is going to be better than AEW and vice versa. It's like, I don't think it's necessary to compare them it's mm-hmm. like just watch what you want to watch <laughs> like <laughs> more wrestling is good always <laughs> i did try to watch some some current wwe i watched uh was it the first smackdown on fox and I, it, it's not for me i'll just say that it's the product is not something i enjoyed watching And if you do enjoy watching it, that's fine too. <laughs> that's whatever you're into. Something different, yeah. Just watch wrestling. That's all I want. <laughs> I don't care where you're watching it or or what promotion you're watching. Just watch wrestling. Support your favorite wrestlers, however you can. That is that is what you need to do. Go to your your local shows too. Mm-hmm. They're usually pretty cheap. It's cheaper than going to the movies, and you get more entertainment out of it. Yeah, going to the movies is expensive, folks. Going to a local wrestling show is usually about fifteen dollars, maybe twenty. You get about three hours of entertainment, <laughs> and you get to to meet most of the wrestlers typically there will be people out selling merch and stuff mm-hmm. it's a good time and a good investment <laughs> and like I, I feel very fortunate living where I do because it's like you literally there's so much wrestling in this area and not that far away either like right like you're kind of in a mecca for for wrestling being in being in Pennsylvania very true. You have the whole like, like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, even like into like Maryland and that like, 
you don't have to go very far to to get to a local promotion Mm -hmm. and there's tons of them to choose from that's that's very true and we got the one two three kid picking up the win for his team the body donna's Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, one, two, three, kid was not actually even supposed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and but the he one wins two, it anyway. Right? And the one, two, three, kid's new buddy, Psycho Sid, lifting him up on his shoulders to celebrate. I feel like they always try to do, like, a Psycho Sid type character, or they've done one similar a lot. Mm-hmm. It comes up every so so often. Yeah, they 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 always try to do like the the big unstable guy. Yeah, yeah. Like Heidenreich oh, well, was a good example. Yeah, that's of that. who I was trying to think of. I was like, I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. And his poetry. Apparently, <laughs> he was like reading his poems to like Gene Snitsky and stuff. Yeah. Uh, good times. That that was when when WWE was still fun. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. It was so stupid. And of course, Razor Ramon in the back, taking out his frustrations on the table, destroying a TV, upset that the one two three kid is out there winning a match. How dare the one two three kid do his job? How dare? Well, I mean, to be fair. The one, two, three kid did kind of screw Razor Ramon over. Yeah, well, that's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he deserved it or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So we got Jim Cornette with uh, Yoko Zuna, Owen Hart. Todd Pettengill got a good haircut there. Doesn't have the rat tail anymore. We got Mr. Fuji and Dean Douglas to the to the right there as well. It's everybody. It's everybody. So that said, uh, you know, we got Yokozuna there. Leith, did you check out uh, the Something to Wrestle With episode that talked about Yokozuna? No, I didn't get a chance to. Oh, okay. You'll like that. I listened to that the other day. Okay. Kind of forgot about it. We got swamped over here. (laughs) (laughs) I love Yokozuna. And so we got Dean Douglas cutting a promo there. Todd Pettengill's very weird vest underneath that jacket with it looks like a whole bunch of amoebas on it. It's very 90s. Very 90s. Vests were everywhere. I remember my mom wearing like a had like a different vest for almost like every day of the week. Mhm. Yeah. Very 90s. Now, now we have we've, the the women's match. The women's match and Alundra Blaze's dangerous entrance. Yeah, she'll see every single person I think ducking under, trying not to get burned. Like, why would you set it that low? Yeah. Oh, I think it actually says Blaze. But yeah. It's hard to read. 
I didn't notice that the first time. Yeah, they really needed to pull that one up higher. <laughs> I don't know if it got like stuck or something. A little, a little weird. Yeah. It's cool that they gave her such a big fancy entrance, though. I mean, she is the the uh, women's champion. It's only it's only right that she has something special. Now, this match, despite being considered one of the worst and one of the best, is actually a really decent match. It's just, again, people at this time didn't really yeah. get it. <laughs> Not. I, it seems like there are some people in the audience that are excited for it, but most at this time wouldn't really know what to do with this match. Yeah, it's it's very true. And, of course, Bertha Faye admonishing the fans out there. And Jim Ross is, is letting us know who's who in this match. And we've got Chopper, uh, Linus Asuka. And Asari in the ring here at first. That's a that is a Cesaro worthy swing. Mm-hmm. I would get so dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> I always love when um the the two people that take the swing the best was a uh, Soldier Ant and uh, Orange Cassidy. Soldrian always did the salute before he like got out of it or uh, Orange Cassidy always gave like the thumbs up <laughs> it like cracks me up so if you watch any giant swings with either of those two it is pretty amusing to see now I believe that's Linus Asuka in the black I like her gear Mm-hmm. And a Lunder Blaze with the first pinfall. Now that is Tomoko Watanabe in the ring with a Lunder Blaze. Going for the moonsault and missing. Yeah. Whoa, sorry. <laughs> I almost fell. <laughs> <laughs> almost took a bump while we're watching this. Yes, yes. It just goes to show how graceful I still am. As I can apparently can't get out of a chair without injuring myself. <laughs> Suplexes. If you like suplexes, this is going to be a good match for you. It's like Suplex City, but cooler. And less boring. <laughs> Man, I've, I've become very anti-WWE, apparently. 
Aja Kong. Oh my goodness, cat. My cat is currently trying to eat plastic because that's what he does because he's a weirdo. Now he's mad at me for taking away the plastic. <laughs> that's probably not good for cats. No, they get plastic indigestion is what it's they call it. <laughs> it's so common it has a name. Yes. Now this is As- uh, Asagawa in the ring. With Aja Kong. Aja Kong counted that with a big sidekick. I actually really like Aja Kong. I like her I like her look and she is just a beast in the ring. I mean she's Oh, of course, yeah. Like the, Japan is so ahead of the times when it comes to wrestling. My goodness. Aja Kong's still wrestling today, working with uh, AEW now. Yes. The big splash. There's a lot of great Japanese talent over there. And WWE has a lot of great Japanese talent as well. I don't know if they're utilizing it as well as they could be. Okay, so this is Kyoko Inoue in the ring. Uh, and boy, howdy, that's an outfit worthy of Marty Jannetty. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they could be like a tag team. Like, it's it's kind of equal parts Marty Jannetty in The Ultimate Warrior. Very fun. Definitely works better on her than Marty Jannetty. Yeah. Now it's a Lunder Blaze now versus a team of three on one Tomoko Watanabe, Aja Kong, and Bertha Fay. This is going to end well, I'm sure. Lunder Blaze is ready. She's like, yeah, I can do this. Whatever. <laughs> you know, really, with all the, all the face paint and everything, Aja Kong really looks like a Sailor Moon villain. <laughs> And, and we got all three in the ring. The ref is trying to stave them off, but no luck. Bertha Faye going in, going ham on a Lunder Blaze. And the Lunder Blaze, being the amazing kick-butt lady she is, is just like, okay, I'm going to take this, but I'm going to fight back anyway. <laughs> like Doing her best to uh, tackle all three at once there. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite get everything she wanted with that suplex. Only a two count, but going for a big power bomb and oh, not a power bomb. Going for a pile driver. And three on Watanabe. Pile drivers still make me a little nervous too. It is a dangerous bump. And you're putting a there's a lot of trust you got to put in the other guy. Mm-hmm. As that's one bump I don't think I would want to take. I feel like my neck is far too weak for that. Yeah. Because <laughs> the the thing with with bumps are is with, with any kind of wrestling move, 
I, I think the the more tired or more in in the moment you are, like in the match, it makes things more dangerous. Oh, for sure, yeah. Now that it's was ama- it's always amazing to me when people can go for like extended periods of time and still have the the strength and energy to lift anyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and do things you know properly. The endurance is crazy. Now that was but you gotta you gotta build on that, you know. Yeah. Now that was not a great looking pin with uh, Bertha Fay, but she was on her way out at this point. Mm-hmm. And with as badly as the WWE was treating her, I can't say I necessarily blame her. Right, of course. Yeah, I, I guess after this pay-per-view, there's no real women's division left. Nope. You had you had two women's wrestlers, and one of them's gone, so... Aja Kong with some... Rear hip thrusts. And a little bit of a hurricane runner there for a two count. Aja Kong, to her credit, is putting on a heck of a match here. I mean, all the ladies are, are have, have put on a pretty pretty great match. Oh, for sure. Aja Kong drawing some heat from the crowd. Of course, they're making comments about Aja's appearance. Yeah, the commentary here is not great. No, but they did try to say, you know, it's not... It's about it's about the wrestling, not about yeah. the looks. And it's like... It should always be about the wrestling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I kind of wish they would like almost go back to like not care, like not having the over makeup and fake eyelashes and fake hair and all that. Yeah. Uh, Aja Kong gets the victory. Somebody with a sign out there that says "Sunny Side Up," very mature. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, with Bertha Fagon, they really didn't take the opportunity to maybe try to capitalize on some of this Japanese talent and, say, try to have something of a women's division. Right. I mean, look at that spinning back fist. You could have had Aja Kong versus Alundra Blaze for the women's title. That could have been a great program. But nah. <laughs> but nope. We're, 
we don't care about women's wrestling. This is 1995. <laughs> now, we've got uh, Mr. President in the audience there, a Bill Clinton impersonator. His name is actually, I believe it's Bill, Wa- uh, excuse me, Tim Waters. It'd be funny if his name actually was Bill. Right. Uh, yeah, Timothy or Tim Waters is the uh, Bill Clinton impersonator here. He was also the Bill Clinton impersonator at WrestleMania 11. I don't know. Do you think this was a good idea, having a, a presidential impersonator? It's not something I would want to do or want to go for. I think if I, if I ran a promotion, that is not something I would ever even consider. Mm. I don't feel it is necessary to like do goofy stuff like that. I don't know. It's just not my thing. Sure. And Bam Bam out with his Heat Miser outfit and his uh, pretty cool entrance. So, Leith, with it with it being, you know, October currently. Yes. What what type of stuff do y'all like to do for Halloween? Oh, we celebrate like the whole month. That's the I correct my, answer. I have my decorations up already. We've been watching like spoopy movies and then we have like kid friendly spoopy movies. Mm-hmm. Although my, my daughter really wants to see child's play, like so bad. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I was about the same age when I wanted to see it. <laughs> like she's just obsessed with Chucky and she just like loves him and it cracks me up. Uh however my husband is terrified of child's play because his parents tortured him with a uh my buddy doll <laughs> when he was a kid. So he he does not want anything to do with it and doesn't want her to get any Chucky figures or dolls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. It's it's fun. We we will do trick or treating. There's like going to be a Halloween party. Um, we hand out treats. Our neighborhood is heavy on kids. Mm-hmm. Like almost every house has kids in it or family that will visit with kids. So we get a ton of trick or treaters. Um. My daughter usually does one or two costumes. Um, this year, I think she wants to do trick-or-treating as a raccoon. And then she's going to be... Um, we found matching knight costumes. Mm-hmm. So she and I are going to both be, like, these knights with, like, dresses on. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a dress with armor. Mm. And then uh, she has two, two daggers because she wanted to be she wanted dual wielding daggers because whatever and i have a axe and then my husband has like actual chain mail and uh like a sword i think he's gonna use he has so many swords we have closets full of swords just so you know this is the house i live in like i could reach into pretty much any closet and pull out a sword (laughs) it might be a real sword it could be a nerf sword i you just never know it's just standard to find a sword in a closet. 
That's that's pretty cool. Oh, and then my birthday. So there's that too. <laughs> now you had a special request for people for your birthday. That is true. What did you want people to do for your birthday? I want everyone to make art. Make art, people. You heard the lady. Yeah, I'm like, it doesn't have to be for me. Just make art. Just do it. Get a paper and draw a stick figure. I don't care. Just <laughs> get creating. All right. You heard the lady. Make some art. And then tag me in it so I can see it. <laughs> or DM it to me if you're, like, too Shy. self-conscious. Yeah. Yeah, I've had, I've had some people DM me art in the past, and I love it. Like, just send me all your art. It's fun to look at. It's it's such a, like, so many things are, are so subjective, and people, I think, forget that. Mm-hmm. Like, art is very subjective. Even just, like, whether or not somebody's attractive is very subjective. So all these people I see, they saying, oh, I'm ugly. It's like, you're not supposed to be attracted to yourself. You're not going to date you. <laughs> like that. <laughs> But trust me, somebody out there does find you attractive. <laughs> so, uh, as far as what we like to do for Halloween, we're, we're kind of the same way. We like to try to celebrate it all month. Uh, the Halloween store, you know, Spirit City or whatever it is, uh, is always very a very dangerous place for us to go. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and uh, we, we love us some... Uh, fun, spoopy things like, uh, of course, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. We're big into that. Uh, Beetlejuice, both the movie, the animated series, Ah, Real Monsters. Uh, the Addams Family, Nightmare Before Christmas, which is both a Halloween and Christmas movie. Don't let anybody tell you different. <laughs> you know, th- those kind of things, right? Yes. Uh, I I personally like a lot of older horror movies. Uh, oh yeah, Vincent. How Price. how old? Yeah yeah. I was gonna say like how old though? Because some people say older and they mean like eighties. <laughs> yeah. No, like I I like the the old old stuff with like Vincent Price and, mm-hmm. and those are those are my kind of horror movies. Uh, I, I will sit and watch. Uh, about the only like eighties horror movie I'll sit and watch is probably the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Only because it features a chainsaw fight with uh, Dennis Hopper and Leatherface. Right. And that's great. I I am pretty much a fan of all eras of horror movies. Um, I don't know. I like, like I think we've talked about this before. It's like we can almost do just a horror movie podcast in and of itself. <laughs> but there is one already, so I don't I don't want to Chillin' Killin' podcast covers all kinds of great mm. horror stuff so if you haven't checked them out they're they're pretty they're pretty cool um but yeah like i just get, give me all the, the all the eras of horror i like crappy horror movies like trolls too <laughs> <laughs> i like the really good ones like the conjuring which was a fantastic movie um I, I always like it's interesting. Anything that actually gets my husband interested mm-hmm. is, is amazing to me because he hates horror. Like it's just not his his jam. So if I can get something that he'll actually like watch with me, like The Conjuring, he actually got into. Um, he got into American Horror Story a bit, 
it, it took him a while, and it's like, I mean, it's a very hit or miss. It's kind of funny, like, the the seasons we liked are ones that other people seem to hate. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I guess it's just that every season is different for everybody. Sure. Um, but yeah, horror, horror stuff is really, really fun. And I've actually requested a lot of horror movies for my birthday. So hopefully I'll, I'll get some, cause I noticed some that just aren't streaming anywhere. And I'm like, I want right. to see them, but it's like, I can't really like, I mean, there's shutter, of course, the, the streaming service for horror, but I can't really afford yet another streaming <laughs> service. So that I, I'm hoping to get some, some collections. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to this year, and I, I think even especially like this weekend, because uh, I think the goal is we're going to uh, maybe hit up a county fair and also maybe try to hit up a pumpkin patch. And since we have actually like a little bit of a yard at the new apartment, we can actually do jack-o'-lanterns. So I'm looking forward to that. Very fun. Uh, so, yeah, it's Halloween times. I liked, uh, in this matchup, Goldust gets up on the top rope and does his little Goldust thing. The, the, br- he, the breathing. Yes, the, and, well, while touching his chest. And the com- commentary is just like, oh, look at that. That makes me uncomfortable for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it just cracked me up. Like, <laughs> that That's the best description of it. <laughs> but, yeah, this match. Uh, One worst to- match poll. Yes. And it, it's not all that terrible. It's just the pacing is really... Strange, yeah. And that can really make or break a match, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Um, You you just have to have the pacing on point, and this is just... Not It's not at all. Like, I'm not... It just... I I can't even explain it, but it it gives you... There's... Gives you enough time to kind of zone out. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. I don't know if other people do that a lot. I I zone out often and daydream a lot. That's kind of how I made without like without enough like big spots sort of in between to pay attention to yeah like it's just there's it's like they're doing they'll do something and then there'll be like too long of a pause between something before something else happens that's like worth looking at so it's like that enough time where you're just kind of like okay nothing's happening so you just start zoning out (laughs) Mm -hmm. or at least I do (laughs) it's not keeping my attention And, I mean, Bam Bam's kind of on his way out, too, so it's like, I don't even, I wouldn't know who would be at fault for this if Goldust is kind of the ring general here, which it appears to be, Mm -hmm. but it's just a lot of awkwardness. Right, and and typically it's it's your heel that's uh, sort of uh, the the ring general, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and... You know, Dustin at this point again, little little early in his career, and really up until this point, he'd been working as a face, so he might not be used to to that responsibility if he if he is in fact in charge of that. 
But at least they have him in there with somebody who's... I mean, I, th- I think it's fair to say that at this point, Bam Bam's a bit of a veteran. You know, he, he knows what he's doing in the ring. Right. I mean, obviously, Goldust knows what he's doing in the ring, but I don't know if he's used to, like you were saying, like if he's used to this kind of position, I don't know, like, I mean, there's just a lot of, like, factors. It's There also hasn't really been any build-up for this match on TV, either. Right. So everybody in attendance doesn't really have a whole lot of, of, of investment in this match. Yeah, this this really kind of highlights why, you know, I mean, even the women's match to some degree earlier, you know, this highlights why you need to have a, a strong focus on your undercard and not just your main event. So people are invested in these matches. Because if, if they're not, if you haven't given them a reason to care about this, other than saying, well, this is the good guy, and this is just some bizarre guy, they're not going to care. Right, and again, this being 1995, a character like Goldust Mm -hmm. is going to confuse a lot of people. Yeah. And he's going to make them uncomfortable, but it might be uncomfortable because people are still, I mean, even today, people are still very bigoted Mm -hmm. and horrible. So... (laughs) having such a androgyny in their faces is just like people don't know what to make of them. Right. And gold dust with a big bulldog. Like even even nowadays it's it's tough for any male wrestler to come out and be kind of effeminate or even androgynous. And have people, like, fully, like, respect them. Yeah, like, I, w- I would say that's especially hard in, in the WWE. Yes. Um, um, there there are some that obviously can pull off, and, like, hardcore fans and, and you know, a lot of smarks and stuff aren't going to be bothered by it, but there's still going to be a lot of people that just are. Mm-hmm. Hold uh, on one So we got Gold Dust here hanging out, enjoying his victory. The uh, gold flakes or, or glitter falling from the from the ceiling there, just relishing in his victory. And a big bulldog for the for the one two three for Gold Dust. We got Todd back with the, quote, president, end quote. Now, of course, they're, they're being joined by Mr. Bob Backlund.
and Bill Clinton inviting Bob to Bob to run. Oh, of course it's Mr. Backland to to the president. Is Bob Backlund still running for president at this point? I I don't know. See, he's like, I'm going to take your job kind of thing. Well, the the thing is, like, the the Bill Clinton impersonator invited him to to join the join the race, right? But like, I thought that was the whole point. I thought he was campaigning because he was going to run. Hmm. Surprised Bob Backlund was never actually president. <laughs> And we see some big foam fingers and some signs in the crowd there. Everybody's hyped to be at Survivor Series. Oh, we got the the Undertaker ready to cut a promo. Oh, we're getting we're getting some tail of the tape rather. The the history of the Undertaker versus King Mabel. And he is a big old boy. They do do some storytelling at this time. They were trying. I mean, they, they, they would create feuds and, and various things going on. Although sometimes it would seem like kind of thrown together and not necessarily mm-hmm. make a whole lot of sense. Well, and you also have to think that a lot of this was, was done for, for many reasons. One, The Undertaker, even by this point in his career, is considered like a, a main event level star, right? Mm-hmm. Mabel was being pushed to that level so he could be seen as a credible threat to Diesel. And then that yes. also leaves, you know, that, that creates a, a built-in program for one of your other top-level stars who isn't holding a title right now. Uh, and we're, we're seeing that they have crushed The Undertaker's face last month. And... Yeah, we haven't seen him since they crushed his face. His poor, poor face. They always like having wrestlers like break their noses or faces and have them come back with weird masks. So that's a common theme you'll see throughout WWE history. Right, and this was this. I mean, this was legit. The Undertaker did. Uh, have I, I believe it was a crushed orbital bone, mm-hmm. and so he did have to like. Yeah, know. that that seems to be the case a lot. I remember was it like I think it was Trish Stratus has like they did like the broken nose angle when she right. had her nose job and stuff like that. And they did something similar with Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And of course we have the King, King Mabel out here. Ooh, that's uh, that's got to be a heavy. Heavy thing to lift there. He is, uh, again, just a, a, a hoss, if you will. And they said he's six foot eight as well? I believe so. I don't know. Like, I know sometimes they, they would, uh, raise the the heights a little bit <laughs> to make it sound more <laughs> impressive. So I'm not 
I'm not a hundred percent sure that he actually is six foot eight, or if they're just saying that. Let's take a look here. It's Kane still taller than him? It looks like. Well, Kane was also almost seven feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Mabel uh, was built at six foot ten. Compared to... Except for this one time. <laughs> yeah. This is just according to Wikipedia. Ah, okay. <laughs> and it, again, that's possible because they, they don't think people pay attention to that stuff, I think. So right. they'll alter things like that a lot. So he had a growth spurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's amazing to me that they, they really tried to push Henry O'Godwin. Like, that character in 1995 was getting they're, they're trying to do something with it like right well and it's also it. it's also such a weird idea for a team this is the dark side and we've got a pig farmer we've got fatu we've got savio vega you know none of none of this really screams dark and spooky yeah like uh fatu at this point is like I'm from the streets, but, like, I'm a good guy, and I want to help out, and that kind of thing. Right. And then Savio Vega is just, you know, Savio Vega. I mean, he's dancing. Him and Fatu are dancing in the ring. <laughs> Super dark side, yes, for sure. Pig farmer is always, always kind of spooky. I mean, maybe he feeds people to the pigs. I mean, maybe. That would, that would be spooky, right? It's just, it is a very strange team-up. And now we've got, the, the lights have gone down. We've got the Undertaker coming out. What is he going to look like with his crushed face? Some people are glowing. <laughs> and we've got Paul Bearer, of course, by the Undertaker's side. I wonder if it was hard to do these, like, dark entrances, like, what their perspective looked like, like, how well they could actually, like, see the ramp and stuff. I didn't think it would have been that bad. Because you do still have a little bit of light with the purple lights there. Yeah. My my dark vision is terrible. <laughs> like, I hate driving at night because it's like I can't see anything. <laughs> and we've got some cool Undertaker fan signs in the audience there. How great is The Undertaker's music, though? Oh, I know. He always had great entrances and stuff. And we're getting ready. The Undertaker's slowly making his way up there. And the house lights come up, and there he is, the Undertaker. And of course, Survivor Series holds a special place for the Undertaker, because, I mean, this is where he debuted. 
Right, right. Was this one of the the this was not the wild card team. This was their chosen. Right. Okay. I couldn't remember if they're like all wild cards or some were chosen. I forgot how it worked. So he's got kind of a spoopy mask, half mask. <laughs> yeah, that half mask always like it kind of has the same like sculpt as one of Kane's masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one he would wear when he had the sort of like belt attire. I get like I guess is what you would call it, like the early two thousands, like uh, okay, two thousand three, two thousand four, I think. Uh, maybe maybe a little earlier than that. Yeah, two thousand two, rather. Oh, okay. I'll drop a picture in our Facebook chat here. Like, it looks very, like, if you were to maybe, like, take the color out of Kane's mask, it would probably look very similar. Yeah, maybe they just had, like, extras. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we could just paint this an old Undertaker mask. <laughs> When does Kane become Kane and stop being Dr. Isaac Yankum? I think we'll see that in 97. Like, here's a here's so, a closer picture of that. So they just kind of, like, expect everyone to forget about the dentist? Yep. Honestly, I kind of like that look for Kane, the, the 2002 look. Uh, that I dropped in our, our Facebook chat there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. I always liked that look on him. And so we've got Fatu. Now, really, what's interesting about this team, you know, we joke about how, like, ooh, the Darksiders, like, we've got a pig farmer. We've got Sabio Vega. We've, like, there's nothing really, again, that screams sort of, like, dark about that, right? But really... This is a lot of the the members of the the Bone Street crew here. Mm -hmm. Mhm. With Fatu, Henry O. Godwin, and Savio Vega, and of course, you know, the the Undertaker. Right. Uh, Yokozuna, I believe, was also a a member. I I think they uh, mentioned or talked about that in the uh, Something to Wrestle With episode with Bruce Pritchard. They talked a little bit about that, I believe. Uh and uh, Bruce is very mums the word on that. Can't talk about that. Oh Which yeah, I think is very interesting. It's funny. You know, but credit to to Fatu here trying to trying to do something positive. You know, from the streets, be a positive role model. Uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, they, you know, didn't get over, but still a, a fun idea, good idea. Yeah. I feel like they didn't maybe develop it enough. Like, there's just, that's not enough to create a character. Right. 
and they just kind of switched it randomly. <laughs> it was like there wasn't a whole lot of like lead up to it. It was just like a one video, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess that's what he is now. <laughs> yep. And then I think that was like I think that one video is pretty much the only play up on his new gimmick at all. Yeah. Really, that we've seen. That we yeah that we've seen at this point in '95. Yeah. So there's like nothing really to to confirm that concept, I guess. <laughs> gotta... I do love hearing about like you know like actual wrestlers who've come from like you know tougher neighborhoods and that that have really found their way found their way into wrestling cleaned up their act and and are now using that that influence and that power that they have to to help their neighborhoods and that right and I, I, I've seen that from a, a few different people and it's just it's always it's always good to see like mm-hmm. I mean you're given these amazing opportunities and you can do so much good when you're in the public eye even a little bit like even if you're an independent guy you have fans like Use that power to to help people. Right to to be positive. Yeah, exactly. Like, why would you? And then you see, like, the flip side. You see some guys that are just so focused on themselves that it's like mm-hmm. it's almost heartbreaking in a way because it's like you have so much ability to do so much good, but you just choose not to. Like, why? Right. <laughs> like, why would you ever choose the opposite of that? Like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> And of course, we we have a big gorilla press slam from Henry O'Godwin, ready to toss Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and there he goes. Sue no. they're like, oh, he's gonna throw him outside. And like, nah, just in the middle of the ring, it's fine, <laughs> good enough. Uh, one thing I think we mentioned last time our episode didn't record is the fact that the the dark side team actually looks like a team. Yeah. They, they all at least have the same shirt on and that like even though their their gimmicks are not ones I would necessarily combine. Right. I mean, I think like Fatu and Savio Vega I could see teaming up in that. They they seem like they would get along. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, they all have like the the Undertaker shirt on. It's such a such an easy way to just kind of like be like, "Okay, we're a team." <laughs> this is our our team leader. I'm not sure why none of the other teams chose to do something like that. <laughs> right. Although I do actually really like Jerry Lawler's singlet here, that sort of textured gold, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it. Gold. Wallpaper? <laughs> yeah, like it... I think it works really well here for him, but it also could have definitely worked for the big show. Or, not the big show. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, it also definitely could have worked for Gold Dust, too. And Isaac Yankum with a big knee to the back. Tagging in not Kane. 
<laughs> Most definitely not Kane. This man will never be the Undertaker's brother. Half-brother. Half-brother. You know, I always get mixed up with uh, Kane and Undertaker's story and uh, the the story of the, the brothers from Game of Thrones, uh, the mountain and... Uh, <laughs> It, it, the stories are very similar, and it just like it, I almost wondered if uh, George R. R. Martin was a was a wrestling fan. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> because it's like I, I'm really not sure now, like which story belongs to which group. <laughs> I was, sorry. Go ahead. They're they're both oversized brothers, right? When mm-hmm. there's fire involved, faces getting maimed yeah uh you're on the right track so yeah far. they, they kind of hated each other relationship was strained i'm not sure i'm I not familiar with game of thrones so i can't tell you if you're right or not i, I forget the differences now it's been a long time since i read the books i didn't really watch the show um i read the books the first few books a couple times mm-hmm um, but yeah, if anybody cares to comment on that, I just always assumed that like George R. George R. R. Martin secretly uh, took the Undertaker Kane storyline and and used <laughs> it as an influence for for those uh, the Mountain and uh, I can't remember the other fellow's name is Sandor and Gregor Clegane, I believe, mm. if I'm pronouncing the names correctly. But the the description is. So incredibly similar. (laughs) (laughs) He either consciously or subconsciously was influenced by the WWE. (laughs) I swear to you. (laughs) But of course, uh, right right now, there is no Kane. There's just uh, Dr. Isaac Yankum. DDS. Mm Mm-hmm. And now AEW has a real dentist. They do. And that's Stop. that to me is fascinating. Yes. Yeah, and it's like you always know that like like you know most wrestlers have a shoot job and a and a you know like a their wrestling gig as well. Um Sure. But how often does she do dentistry now? That's a that's a good question. <laughs> like what would her practice be like? Does she just not do anything but work? <laughs> do you think when she comes into the office she makes like a big like wrestling entrance uh no but I bet her like uh employers would <laughs> that would be cool though like how weird would it be to be like oh yeah my dentist is on TV wrestling right now <laughs> like that's just that's just weird also, why does anyone choose to become a dentist? Like, that just seems like like I would not want that. But then again, <laughs> dentists creep me out a lot, and I've had very bad experiences with dentists thanks to my horrible genetics. Oh, well, that's <laughs> so, unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. I was talking to somebody, and I was like, oh, I need all this dental work. And they're like, why don't you brush your teeth more? And I'm like, uh, because 
three times a day should be enough. <laughs> like That's a really <laughs> rude thing to ask. Like that's just a weird question. I'm like, no, it's it's like I have genetic issues. It's not whether or not I'm taking care of my teeth. Yeah. Like trust me, I do what I can, but there's only so much I can do. And just I did not luck out in the the genetics for for teeth. And they they then were like, "Oh, I didn't even think about like genetics playing a part mm-hmm. in what teeth you got." I was like, "Yeah, like genetics kind of create everything about you." <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> like every part of your your being is pretty much genetic and then after that comes like societal things and how you take care of yourself, but mm-hmm. Like I always tried like brushing, flossing, mouthwash. Fancy mouthwash, super expensive mouthwashes. Anything they told me, I'm like, whatever, I'll like try it. But it like just doesn't. I just have no luck. It is what it is. And a lot of it's not like current issues. It's like issues from my youth that they they fixed and have refixed and are refixing again. <laughs> so it's just not much I can do about any of it. I just need to win the lottery, basically, if I <laughs> afford to get my teeth fixed perfectly. But, yeah, so Dennis creeped me out. So <laughs> I, I, I automatically, like, dislike Britt Baker now <laughs> because she's a dentist. Like, just, like, by default. I, I just, I can't. It's like, no, now I'm scared of her. I would never want to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I can't I can't support this. <laughs> and the Undertaker with several decisive tombstones there. More tombstones, perhaps. <laughs> mm. Hunter Hearst Helmsley is just kind of running away now. Like, nah, I'm good. Oh, no. The slop bucket. He's gonna get slopped. He's gonna get slopped. Oh, Undertaker had him by the ponytail. Look at that. <laughs> Choke slam from the outside into the middle of the ring. Quite the distance on that choke slam. <laughs> <laughs> Not a sentence I think I, I've said ever before. <laughs> <laughs> and Mabel like- doing some dancing, but the Undertaker with the pop up. I like when they have like heavy set wrestlers and they like use their weight to their advantage if that Mm -hmm. makes sense like it's like they don't try to book them as being like oh look how strong they are it's just like they're gonna use their weight to like take you out right i feel like if they really don't have the strength then they shouldn't be booking them to use strength as their Mm -hmm. thing 
Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. No, I, no. I have seen them do that before where they're like, oh, the, this person is so big, they're strong. And it's like, well, they're not really strong, though, so they probably shouldn't be trying to do <laughs> half the stuff they're trying to do. It's right. just not going to work. Like, don't book people as being super strong if they're not actually super strong. Mm-hmm. That's just stupid and dangerous. Potentially dangerous, I should say. Like, I don't think I'd want somebody lifting me if they really don't have the strength to lift me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Especially after wrestling for like, you know, 10 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And The Undertaker and his team, The Dark Side, with a decisive victory over the Royals. Now Marty Jannetty should come out just so he could see his outfit. <laughs> I'm talking about British Bulldog. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Brett the Hitman Hart and Diesel. Some comments that were made. And uh, the fact that the British Bulldog is the next, uh, the next contender, which so whoever wins this will face the British Bulldog, right? Which sort of makes sense because Bulldog's last championship opportunity ended in a DQ. Of course, that was you could argue that was sort of by his own hand. And Bret Hart's talking about hockey because you know Canada. That's where that's where I'm from, Bret Hart. I'm I'm from Canada. In case sure. you didn't know, his shirt says Hitman Hockey on it. Does it? Yeah. Did he have like a like a hockey team of some kind? <laughs> he didn't. But if if we flash back to in your house, he was wearing like a Hitman hockey like jersey. Yeah. Hmm. See, Hitman Hockey T-shirt. Interesting. Although Bret Hart talking is never exciting. <laughs> like I've never listened to somebody not like it's not even that he's like like a, he's not monotone. He's just emotionless. Right. Like completely emotionless. Mhm. He's never like he doesn't come across angry. He's not sad. He's not happy. He just exists. Right. And, talks. and it's like the weirdest thing. It's like I don't know how to to talk without emoting at all. Like, that would be really challenging. Like, maybe if, like, I was trying to portray a humanoid robot, very advanced <laughs> AI robot, that just still didn't have emotions, I guess. Like, like even more emotionless than Data. <laughs> that That's what Bret Hart is. Right. <laughs> And it's like I wonder if he like is like that in real life too. Oh, I, I would I would imagine. 
Like, how would you ever read him? Like, ever? Like, I could never tell, right. like, if he would, like, what kind of mood he's in, because he just doesn't show any kind of emotion, ever. I think I've seen him tear up maybe once. Mm-hmm. But his, like, facial expression never changes. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him smile, that I can remember. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I don't think so either. He doesn't really like scowl or that either. It's just like his facial expression change like stays the same mm-hmm. throughout everything. Makes you wonder how he got any acting gigs. <laughs> and like Shawn Michaels is the complete opposite. Right. Like I don't think I've ever seen him be able to deliver a promo like straight faced. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got Owen Hart and Yokozuna out. I would love to try on a Yokozuna robe. (laughs) It would just be a blanket. I would love to see just like how ginormous it would be. The Dean, Dean Douglas. So clever. And he has a quest. <laughs> what what kind of quest do you think you would get from Dean Douglas? Uh, go out and try to find me some dirt on some students that are bothering me. Ah, that would make sense. Remember, like, Razor Ramon always kind of grossed me out as a kid. <laughs> he does. He he looks very, very greasy. Yeah, well, he has that, like, like the, the hair gel, like, gooping, and then, like, all the chest hair. So, to a, to a young girl, it's not appealing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't it's a little, say. little creepy. He does have some pretty neat pyro. (laughs) I I heard they're bringing pyro back for WWE. That would be cool. They're going to make that that investment again. It's It's such a little thing, but it really does make a difference. I don't know why. Entrances are just so important. I love wrestlers that can, like, not only wrestle, but just, like, really, like, 
have that that creative gift to to really give you an amazing entrance. Because mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff is like it. It's interesting. Like like some things are come up from like creative. Some things come up from like the promoter. Some things are are the wrestlers themselves. So it's like you never really right know per se like who comes up with the ideas but I, I believe a lot of the entrances at least on the the independent circuit are mm-hmm. from the wrestlers it's it, their ideas and they're they're get that like little bit of artistic freedom to to play with there And so we've got Psycho Sid coming out, looking mean and nasty and crazy. Psychotic? Yeah. <laughs> A little bit psycho, perhaps. Perhaps. Getting annoyed at the noise and all that. <laughs> psycho Sid needs silence. And now we get the debut of Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson's kind of coming in this with, like, not much of a character. Right. I don't... I don't know. There's always, like, kind of a weirdness. It's like they either go overly gimmicky... Or or they don't. Yeah, it's like, or there's no character whatsoever. So it's, like, kind of hard to, like, know what to think of him. Mm -hmm. It's like, who is he? (laughs) Like, you still don't know. He's just, like... Big tough dude, I guess. (laughs) That's his character? I don't know. Psycho Sid's somebody I would like to see, like, like a shoot interview with. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that would be very entertaining. It's just, like, I want to see just, like, how different or similar he is to his gimmick. He definitely seems like an interesting person. <laughs> yeah. And we got Shawn Michaels coming out. We got some Shawn Michaels foam fingers in the audience there. We we actually saw a lot of those, or, well, not a lot, but we did see one of those at uh, at the Ohio Toy and Collectible show when we went. Uh, they had one of those. They had a Vader Time one. They had a Hardy, Hardy Boys foam finger. And that, that was all really cool. Not... Uh, little girl they just showed had an America Online hat on. Oh, very, very topical. I think my my parents still used AOL. I don't know if they finally got rid of it. <laughs> but last time I was there this past summer, they were still using AOL. <laughs> they they get very stuck on their their uh tech and then they'll like kind of catch up a little bit and then they'll get stuck there again like my mom did get a cell phone but she still has like 
the same flip phone she had from like ten years ago. <laughs> like they still have that old mindset that with technology you can just repair it. Mm. And it's like that kind of doesn't always work now. <laughs> like cer- certain things you kind of just need to replace. <laughs> It, it, she did get a newer cell phone. Um, it, it had to be like five, six years ago now. But she had her original one was from like two thousand something, like two thousand two, two thousand three. Hmm. And like she tried to get a new battery for it at Radio Shack. This is this is just like the mind mindset of my my parents. Um. So like the cell phone was probably like ten, fifteen years old. At that point, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, we, we, they, it would cost you as much to get a new phone as it would to to buy a battery for this one." <laughs> I, I'm worried I'm going to end up being the same way because I'm not very good at technology. I think because I grew up in a household like that, like, sure, I, I just like don't necessarily understand it. <laughs> like, I used a typewriter for most of my um, reports growing up. That's... Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what we had, so that's what I used. If I needed to type up a report, I typed up a report, and then we would use whiteout and everything. Like, if I, like, oh, I typed the wrong thing, get the little whiteout out, <laughs> correct it. But yeah, I don't know why. Like we had a computer, but we didn't use it for like hard. Like we used it for games and stuff. But I don't remember ever like sitting there and typing up reports. I don't know if we had like a way to or not. I'm not sure. But we definitely used the typewriter for book reports and stuff. Hmm. I think because that's what my mom was the most comfortable with, and she would sure. be the one helping me. So she would use yeah, use the typewriter. <laughs> a typewriter, a record player. Remember when like like CDs were a big deal? Mm-hmm. Getting your very own CD player. Oh my goodness, that was high. That was some advanced technology right there. Right. Man, can you remember when you used to like? I, I know I did. I would burn through CD players like nothing. Oh, no. Um, I did have issues with one. I wanted a six-CD, like, changer one for Christmas mm-hmm. the one year. And my parents got me one, and it didn't work. Oh, no. And then we took it back and got another one, and that one didn't work. So then we took that back and just gave up. Because oh. <laughs> it was just not happening. I just used, like, an old, like, an older one from, like, it's either my brothers or my sisters or something. I was like, it worked. It just, I could only play one CD at a time. Can you imagine? Oh, no. The horror. (laughs) (laughs) That, that's something that's, like, like, people always talk about, like, uh, like physical copies of things versus like digital. Sure. But like music libraries pretty much have 
completely gone digital. Like, I don't know too many people that still buy physical copies of, like, CDs and that. Maybe records, because Mm -hmm. some people like to be trendy like that, but it does have a different sound quality. But for the most part, it's completely digitized. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, we, like... When my wife and I first started dating, we would go to some small concerts here and there. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, I would I would buy, say, like, a, a CD of the artist performing there. I would do right, that. Right, okay. Right? But, like, uh, yeah, I mean, beyond that, like like you said, like, I wouldn't really go out of my way to, to buy CDs. Uh, because I've, I've transitioned almost my entire library to digital. Mhm. Yeah, I just I don't even like I just put everything on Spotify. Mm. Like I just create playlists on there and use that. I think the last CD I bought was uh Ultraman is Blacks. <laughs> I went to see uh his band and grabbed a CD there like a few years ago. I didn't know he had a band. Oh yes. It's also called Ultraman is Black. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. It's very like screamy. Sure. And about veganism, a lot of the songs seem mm. to be. So, you know, <laughs> pretty much what you would expect from an Ultraman is Black band. And hopefully I'll be going to see him wrestle in October. Oh, very cool. At the the next uh, LVAC Let's Hang Out event. So that'll be fun. And then tonight is uh, I get to go to the Excellence Pro new building, so that'll be fun too. Mhm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's the new uh, facility is going to be amazing once it's all said and done. I, I'm sure uh, if anybody wants to donate towards that, I'm sure they <laughs> wouldn't say no. <laughs> It's going to be really, really cool. I'm like super stoked to see all that up and running. Got a lot of exciting things going on in the the wrestling world. Personally speaking, I'm big things popping, little things dropping. I'm pretty hyped. <laughs> I, I literally have no idea where any of this stuff is ever going to take me. Um, a friend of mine asked me what my my goals were. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to do. <laughs> just, just involve me in, in wrestling in any way, shape, or form, and I will say, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got Dean Douglas and Ahmed Johnson and, of course, Owen Hart as well in the ring. Dean Douglas being the legal man. And, jeez, the power of Ahmed Johnson. I always thought Ahmed Johnson's, like, belt around his tights was really different. Ah, yes. It does have a different look to it. And now we're going to beat a dude with another dude. It's a very strange sound Vince McMahon just made. A little troubling.
For a second there, I thought they pulled off uh, Shawn Michaels' hair. <laughs> he has like a a braid, and I guess it must be like on the just on the one side right now. <laughs> so it looked like he had like short hair. I was like, no, they took his hair. <laughs> and Michaels with the pin over Douglas, and here comes Owen Hart, House of Fire, into a drop toe hold. And Davy Boy Smith and Owen Hart. Oh no! Are they gonna fight? Are they not gonna fight? How's it gonna go? Brother-in-laws, members of Camp Cornet together, some shoves. Maybe they should just hug it out. Mm, I don't see that happening. You don't see that happening? No, no. <laughs> Offering a handshake from the bulldog, and there they go. Right into punches back and forth. They're both so tricksy. Big monkey flip. Boy, everybody talks about, like, what, you know, when when you talk about the British Bulldog, you always talk about, like, the power he's got. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he was definitely, like, I think a lot of people in that conversation, like, you always focus on, like, how gigantic his arms were. Right. But it's like... I mean, dude definitely wasn't skipping leg day as we saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's just, like, overall built. <laughs> like, yeah. But he's just so, like, massive in, like, the chest and arms area. It's, like, hard to focus on anything else. Now you got Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon. Oh, what are they going to do? Seven... That's what JR has just told us. Seven WWE Intercontinental Championships between the two of them. My God. Now they're gonna fight. Oh my goodness. Can't believe it. We got a we got a razor shrug. And super long distance sh- shot for no reason. <laughs> uh, cameraman, thank you. <laughs> Big clothesline from Razor. Does he have another toothpick behind his ear? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> he needs one to celebrate with, you know? Yeah, a celebratory toothpick, as it were. Mm-hmm. That's the the mint flavored one. <laughs> the kip up is such an underrated spot. That always oh. looks cool. Yeah, yeah. And not everyone can do them. I think I've managed to do a kip up once in my entire life and I was like <laughs> super excited about it. But it's like it's hard to get your muscles to work that way. Yeah, it's such a such a weird thing you kind of have to fight for control of your muscles for to to do that. It's it's very unnatural and like my arms don't work that way like I can't do backward rolls either. Yeah. Cuz I don't know what it is but pushing backwards on my arms like that it just never mm. they just don't want to do it. So I would 
the one I managed to do was uh, armless. Like I could <laughs> use my hands because it's like my they just don't function that way. <laughs> like uh, I could do bridges and back walkovers and like all that stuff, but a backward roll I could do it one one handed. <laughs> Experiencing some technical difficulties here on my end just a little bit. No, stop it. Uh, the connection's really buffering and slowing to a halt. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, this is concerning. Oh, no. Do you need a pause? We might need to pause here, folks. Yeah, let's do that. We're going to pause. This feels familiar. <laughs> Actually, it looks like maybe it's caught up. Maybe we don't need to pause. I already paused. Don't know. That's okay. You you could hit play. I've got Michaels and Razor both down on my end. Same here. Okay. They've been down for a while, though, so I don't know. Might be a little bit off. I think we'll be okay. We got Michaels. Michaels just slapped Sid in nope, the Nope, that's right where I'm at. Michaels just slapped Sid. Okay, so we're right on the on the same spot here. And Sid with a big double axe handle. Looking for another one. And he gets it. Mm, stomach punches. Yeah, get him. I really don't know whose team you're supposed to root for here either. Yeah, that's kind of the the point. And we have seen, I mean, some some sort of fun spots with this wild card match, but it is definitely, you know, uh, it's a little strange for a number of reasons, right? Yeah. And it's like it's kind of fun because you get to see all these matchups and things that you wouldn't normally see. But then again, it's like, who do you root for? Like, yeah. how do you decide? Like, does the audience care one way or the other? Does it really matter who wins or who loses this? Right. I suppose you just kind of have to wait for it to get down to one man on each team to figure out who you're supposed to root for. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of an, it's an odd one. It's also an interesting way to sort of like, test the waters between like you know what could what could potentially be good in the ring like how much chemistry could say the British Bulldog and uh, Owen Hart have in the ring together right 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 yeah it's like I always like, even like when they do like random like tag teams and stuff like team yeah. up people that you wouldn't really expect to go together and sometimes it really works well and sometimes it's like eh but it's it's fun to see stuff like that. Right. I don't know how much the wrestlers actually like doing <laughs> that kind of stuff. I think probably just like everything else, sometimes it works out and sometimes it's probably pretty annoying. Yeah. I feel like uh, in Excellence Pro, Dan Champion has a uh, revolving door of tag team partners. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's, like, jinxed or something. <laughs> well, Dan, Dan, even though he's a friend of the show, 
<laughs> Dan Champion, if you're listening to this, we love you. Uh, but uh, Dan probably has very high standards. <laughs> you know, he, he seems like somebody who would have very high standards. Right, right. <laughs> And and Psycho said looking for the choke slam and he gets it with one hand. The one handed choke slam has always looked cool. This is like one of those matches that it's like I don't know if this should really like go on super long. I think because it is a wild card, and it's like, you don't really... Because it's such a strange match. Yeah, because it's like, in the grand scheme of things, this match is not going to matter. <laughs> right. But that was a cool spot, seeing yeah, Sean, like, like, hesitate to do the, the sweet chin music. I feel like that's how I would, would do things, is just have a whole bunch of cool spots, let people get in there, like, you know, signatures or finishers or whatever, and just kind of run through it fairly fast. Mm-hmm. And Razor Ramon with the pin over over Sid after the missed Sweet Chin music. Like, for me, this feels like it's just dragging on because I know it doesn't really matter. Right. At the time, I don't know if, like, the fans really cared about that kind of stuff as much. Or would even necessarily realize it? Or are they just like seeing all the the big names together? Because I mean, this match is filled with like some of your your bigger stars. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say without having actually been there. And we had some some interactions with the the two teams there as Bulldog pounded away at Razor, and Psycho Sid nailed Shawn Michaels with a power bomb. We're down to three on three. So we've got Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, and the British Bulldog versus Razor Ramon. I believe Yokozuna is still left. And Owen Hart. And Razor with the tag first. In comes Owen Hart. Some kind of backbreaker. Yeah, pendulum backbreaker. He's just kind of uh, just working the back, really. Yeah. Midsection and that whole area. Nice to have a little, little ring psychology thrown in there. Yeah, the back body drop is, is one of those moves we kind of take for, for granted as wrestling fans, but that, that in and of itself is a scary bump. To to sort of go upside down like that and do a, a flat back bump or, or, or a back bump like that, that, that can be a little scary, <laughs> I, I would have to imagine. I never know how he does those whips into the the ring, like the corner, like that. Like 
how Michael's like always just goes like flying. <laughs> yeah. He has one speed when getting whipped into the turnbuckle, and that's suicidal. It's, yeah, he always takes them just right, and it's yeah. like, how do you do that? <laughs> That'd be so hard to, like, land. I, I think, honestly, one of my favorite Shawn Michaels matches is when he wrestled, was it, yeah, it was Hogan, and he, like, overselled everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, so funny. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, him him overselling in that Hogan match is a thing to behold. And such a it's such a slight to Hogan, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Hogan's Hogan. the worst. <laughs> yeah. Just making him look like complete garbage. Mm-hmm. Freaking hilarious to me. <laughs> I know they they talked about Owen too. Like he would do a lot of like sometimes he would go out and just make a match terrible on purpose. <laughs> Not even necessarily like maliciously, just because it was like funny to him. But like having that ability to go out and not just have a good match, but purposely have a bad match right. is pretty amazing. <laughs> Yes, a- absolutely. That, that that's like a whole another level of talent right there. And my 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 controller fell and now I'm like trying to catch up here. Oh jeez. You having all kinds of issues over there, huh? I I am. I am. I'm so sorry about this, folks. Owen just dived from the top, but uh, Michael's got out of the way at the last second, of course. The old lady in the front really wants him to get up, though. (laughs) She's so into it. It's fantastic. That's going to be me one day. Front row, my white hair. Going crazy for people. (laughs) Who do we have left here? We've got Ramon, Ahmed, Ahmed Johnson, Yokozuna, Yokozuna. <laughs> <laughs> and the British Bulldog. Oh, and Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels. Where was he? <laughs> <laughs> Must have got knocked out at some point and then missed it. <laughs> so quite a few left. Pretty long match. Again, I don't know if I would have let it go on quite so long. Sure. But, I mean, they they obviously want to have their bigger names out there. And they want Ahmed Johnson to have a good showing because they mm-hmm. seem to want to push him, like, right away. Which, I mean, is understandable. Dude is colossal. And he he does have potential. I never know how I feel about that kind of uh, that type of build, like to like uh, just 
take somebody that's green, but because they're big, just like push them in the spotlight right away. Yeah, I mean, you definitely shouldn't do that. Like when they're when they're green, and I mean, again, like there's Vince has a very uh, strange mentality when it comes to who he pushes, who he doesn't. And yeah. I, I think it's even worse now because, like, he has such a big roster to pull from. Right. And I think part of the, the problem with Vince is, is that he he sees the potential in people, and the potential is certainly there, but I think he, he pushes too fast sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, this is going to work, but it's like, it's he just doesn't have the patience to wait for it to to work right. the way it needs to. Well, and also too, I think what what happens a lot with Vince is he he's in such a bubble mm-hmm. that he has an idea of what he you know again potential right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And it might not always get over, but he's gonna run it into the ground until it does. Yeah, it's like he sees the. the the name he sees the dollar signs he sees the you know what i mean like yeah. and it it's like he could have been right like with reigns for a more modern example he could have been right but he didn't have the patience he didn't have the patience and honestly they kept trying to push reigns as something he wasn't right and it's like they didn't give us any time to really get to know him because like uh, it's again just being unaware of your who your audience is yeah. for the most part, because a lot of people like know enough about independent wrestlers. A lot of people were watching NXT that nobody really knew Reigns, but people knew Rollins and people knew Ambrose, you know, or mm-hmm. John Moxley as it were. And, uh, Reigns was just like the rock's cousin. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, they never, I, I think he's one that if they would have let him be more himself, mm-hmm. he would have done better because he seems like he has a pretty laid back personality. Right. And he could have like, I don't know, like I've seen him in like interviews like early on where he just seemed like really chill and laid back and just kind of like a cool dude, like somebody you would want to hang out with or like, you know, like see do well, but they never let him be that. Mm hmm. Well, and, and a storyline like what they tried to do to push him to the top where it's like, you're never going to be the guy. Like, nobody was ever buying that. Yeah, oh yeah. They they tried so many different things with him, and it's just like, I don't even know why <laughs> they tried some of this stuff. They're like, it worked for Daniel Bryan. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it worked because it was believable. But to, just... to sit there and say somebody like Roman Reigns with the look he has, the physique he has... The fact that he was, like, taking on five guys at once by himself. <laughs> yeah, like, nobody nobody was ever going to buy that he couldn't be the guy. Or that he wasn't already chosen to be the guy. <laughs> yeah, like, no, we get it. He's the guy. It's just, it's so funny. Like, I don't, I don't really know what they were going for there. And it reminded me so much of, like, you know, like, when... Vince try to push like Lex Luger or now in this current era that we're watching when he's trying to push Diesel is like the same sort of thing where it's like you don't 
didn't give us enough time to even know who this person was, and all of a yeah. sudden they're just like, "Oh, this is the person now. They're they're the guy." Yeah. And it's like it it sort of works, and it's like if the person has the ability, they can really kind of handle it. Or like 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 I think Diesel did okay mm-hmm. as champ, like. Some people like he seemed to have like enough of a fan base and that, but like I don't know, it was just like too much, too fast all the time. Sure, yeah. And like Reigns coming in the era that he did, it's like everything post like pipe bomb, like that's not gonna work. Yeah. You you just have to alter everything because mm-hmm. it's like the the fan base and the audience is just not buying anything anymore and it's a fan base that really 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 loves to complain about everything look a lot of y'all are in (laughs) are in an abusive relationship with the wwe and you need to accept that and then you need to realize that you don't have to do that (laughs) You, you can leave you don't have to watch it i promise and it's it's so funny to me because it's like a lot of times you'll see people be like They'll be so, like, like they're all about Sasha Banks at first. And the the fans were behind her, and they loved her, and then she got the championship, and then they hated her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't understand this. <laughs> it's like, there, there's something missing, and I think it's just the fans love to complain, and they want to, to push the person that they want, but once that person actually gets pushed, they get bored of them. Yeah, like... I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Don't Everybody else explained it to me because I don't get it. Oh no, he dropped a whole bunch of popcorn down Sonny's dress. That's unfortunate. It's a very pretty dress, though. Sure. <laughs> I think uh, this is the thing I choose to focus on. That's fair. Um, you know, I mean, we talk about, like, Vince having his problems, but certainly wrestling fandom can be toxic and wrong in its own right. Oh, like, yeah. Like, y'all don't know what you really want. That's why you're the audience. But, I mean, you you hear us talking a lot about, like, Chikara and Excellence, and it's like, y'all, I promise, they are not paying us to sing their praises, but I have... No, I, I don't... I work for excellence and I don't get paid. <laughs> uh, but I, I promise I have never been as happier as a wrestling fan as I was than when I, you know, I walked away and I said, I'm not going to put myself through this anymore. There's still bright spots on the, on the roster. Right. And I can enjoy those, but like I'm, I'm done being in that relationship. Yeah. It's like, I don't understand this. Like if you're, you're at this point, where you don't like the the product anymore, then just don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's plenty to choose from. Like, you don't have to watch it. That's right. And we've got uh, some comments here from from Bret Hart and Diesel talking about their their history and their their different strategies with going into this. I want somebody to like just put a whole bunch of like Bret Hart promos together and see if like his facial expressions ever change. 
Like, I just want to yeah. watch, like, like, ten minutes of just various expressions. <laughs> like, it just... It cracks me up. Like, I've never seen a different expression on Bret Hart's face. Like, ever. I've only got one expression, Leith. Apparently. Because, of, because I'm the best there is, and the best there was, and the best that ever will be. That's my bad Bret Hart impression. I don't know if anybody has a good Bret Hart impression, so that's fine. That's <laughs> and so, Mr. Perfect is leaning more towards Bret. Uh, that, that's who he's favoring in this match, who he's choosing to place his money on, so to speak. And JR, good old Jim Ross, is placing his money on Diesel. And Leith, I mean, we you may not necessarily be, say, like big fans of either of these two, but, I mean, if you had to pick, say, Diesel or Bret Hart as your champion, who would you rather have? Uh, do I have to? <laughs> For the purpose of this, yes. Uh, I'd give it to Brett just so a better, like a, a really cool heel could win it from him. Okay. <laughs> and not for nothing, Brett at least has the ability to go out there and make just about anybody he's in the ring with look good. Yeah, he's not a bad wrestler by any means. I'm not saying, I'm not really saying either of them are bad wrestlers. I just don't care for either of them. <laughs> They're not my, my jam, so, so to speak. But I, I think you could you could get more mileage, uh, to to pun not intended here, out of Bret Hart than you could Diesel, just because again Bret's the the better technician in the ring, mm-hmm. and even if that might not necessarily always be the the most entertaining thing, I think it means like in the long run, because he can go out there and work with just about anybody that you're going to get better matches. Oh, of course, and it's like he. It doesn't matter what style you wrestle, Bret Hart can handle it. Yeah. Whereas, like, Diesel is kind of like... He's a little bit like a, a look to the future mm-hmm. of, like, the, the Cena era and the Five Moves of Doom and all that. It's There's not a whole lot you're going to get out of Diesel. Right. It can still be entertaining, and he can still get over, but, yeah, you're right. It's not going to be... Uh, as far as uh, the match goes, it's not going to be anything that you would write home about, necessarily. Right, right. And part of that is just, like, lack of experience in that, too. Like, he hasn't been around quite quite as much or that is, like, quite as long as, like, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels or that. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the experience at this point. And, again, it's just, like, Vince sees him, sees his size, and is just like, "That's the guy," you know. Yeah. Well, and he also has si- he has that size and look that that Vince really loves. Right. And it's also too like how much, you know, how much can you really move if you're if you're that big? Like, you know, some of it is like you said, experience, but I'm sure some of it too is just like limited limited mobility at that rate, right? Like, mm-hmm. because, I mean, again, you, you're talking about uh, somebody who's uh, so big, so large, 
so heavy. I mean, again, what what can they do in the ring that would you you wouldn't see Diesel doing a lot of the same things that that Brett's doing because again, it's just it's it's a size issue, right? It's mm-hmm. like he's just not going to be able to compete at that level. In, in that way, anyway. I don't know. Because I think at this point, like, like Undertaker and that could go pretty good. Undertaker... He had a lot of... Yeah. A lot that he could do, and he's, you know, similar build and everything. Similar in size. That's fair. Undertaker, for his size and weight, put in a lot of work to continuously sort of work and be flexible with his moveset. And incorporate things like, you know, mixed martial arts to some degree. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know if, like... I don't know enough about Diesel or Kevin Nash as a person mm-hmm. to know what their, their passion in pro wrestling was. Right. Um, he seemed to, to be mindful of the, the business to a degree. And, and obviously, like, the, you know... He knows how to make money, you right. know, but I don't know how much he actually had the passion for pro wrestling to really even evolve his style. It's like if he's in the ring doing what he can do, limiting his injuries and all that, out, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, like how much how much work is he putting in sort of like extracurricularly to improve? Right, right. It's like I just don't know enough about him as a person to know right. whether that was an interest for him or, or something he felt he needed to do. Yeah. Cause of a lot of, yeah, I mean, and, everybody's and driven. Like it's like so many pro wrestlers are, are driven for different so reasons. many different reasons. Yeah. And like, you have like people like Shawn Michaels or that who just like lived and breathed pro wrestling from the time they were like little that it just like, obviously mm-hmm. they're going to, He's going to work it a little differently than everybody else. Sure. It's a passion versus this is something I can do and make money at, you know? Right. I personally always prefer the more passionate wrestlers. <laughs> uh, sometimes it, with the, the familial, familial ones, I'm not sure if it's necessarily like I don't know for certain that Bret Hart was super ridiculously passionate for pro wrestling or anything like that or if it's just you know he grew up with it so that's what you do you know right those ones I'm not too sure about either I always felt that Owen was more passionate than Bret when it came to actually wrestling mm-hmm. but I, I don't know for sure that's just a, a vibe I always got from like interviews and and actually just, you know, seeing how they perform in that. I think Brett really enjoyed the technical aspect of it, but the whole showmanship of pro wrestling definitely seemed more Owen's speed. Yeah, like like Brett seemed like somebody who, who took the business very, very seriously uh, Yeah, in that regard, and, and I can understand that. Owen seemed like somebody who always... Uh, you know, he had that respect and everything for the industry, but he was willing to have fun with it. Right. I think if 
things were different, maybe Brett would have been more of an Olympic-style wrestler. Mm -hmm. Something that was more serious business, more like actual competition in that regard. Whereas Owen definitely had like that that showmanship, that drive to to perform too. That you kind of need for professional wrestling to really like take it to that next level. So if you look at like like a a Brett promo versus an Owen promo, you know, (laughs) (laughs) they both had the the in-ring ability for sure, but Owen just had that that something extra that makes a pro wrestler just that much greater, I guess. I don't know how else to say it. So I'm sure this matchup's going to be decent. Um, Obviously, like we said, like Brett's good in the ring he can he knows how to to work with pretty much everybody mm-hmm. make everyone look pretty decent um diesel again doesn't have a whole lot of experience at this stage comparatively and i i really think he's more of the the business minded type as opposed to the the passion mm-hmm. of pro wrestling type so I don't think we've ever I don't think we really see Diesel like improve in ring. I think this is definitely going to be one of his better matches. Right. You know, even even considering like his WCW run, I think this is probably going to be one of his better matches. And honestly, it's been a good match so far. You know, really at this point it's it's a solid match for sure. Yeah, neither guy is really like a face or a heel. They're both kind of tweeners. The argument could be made that Diesel is a little bit more of a face than than Brett at this point. Possibly, yeah. Although, I mean, Brett's so beloved, it's hard to yeah, like it's hard see him as like him. a. He's not somebody I would see as like a true heel in this mm-hmm. regard. I feel like there there's certain things Brett wouldn't compromise on to uh like if they wanted him to to turn against Canada or that like you know yeah. what I mean like there's certain things I don't see Brett doing certain like character traits that he wouldn't allow his mm-hmm. character to have I guess Well I think he he took his position as a as a role model very seriously too He's just a very serious person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, I uh, I don't do those. I, I don't really do comedy. I, I, I don't. Yo, know, I don't like Adam Sandler. It yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although Canadian comedy is pretty great. If you're out there and you're listening to this, definitely check out some. Uh, of course, Letterkenny is is real big right now. Letterkenny's pretty great. Check that out. Check out uh, a little show called Corner Gas. That's actually going to be coming onto IMDb TV here soon. 
and uh, the Red Green Show. You ever watch the Red Green Show, Leith? Mm-mm. Yeah, the Red Green Show is great. And, of course, Trailer Park Boys is up there. These are all shows I've never heard of. You should <laughs> no, watch No, I've them. heard of them through you, but not elsewhere. You should definitely make the effort. You would you would enjoy them. I have so many shows to, like, catch up on. <laughs> like, in the middle of, like, five different shows right now, I think. <laughs> And, of course, always Star Trek. Star Trek is pretty great. Next Gen for me. I'm not so into the original series, and I haven't given a chance to the other ones just yet. But but Next Gen is fantastic. My wife is working her way through Voyager again, I mm. uh, Okay. That's Janeway, right? I believe so. I think so. Yeah. She's working her way through Voyager again. Uh... I like Voyager. I'm I'm a sucker for Captain Janeway. Okay. Uh But uh I Star Trek is we're a Star Trek household. Yeah, so are we. I mean, we are Star Wars too. Like I don't I never understood the comparison cuz they're very different. <laughs> they're incredibly different. <laughs> they they both just have the word star in them and I think that's about where the similarities end. Yeah. Like Star Wars I would consider a futuristic fantasy. Sure. And Star Trek would be more science fiction. And Star Wars doesn't really rely on... I think is that the definition of science fiction is you kind of have to have the science part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it has to have that, that technology in it, whereas Star Wars doesn't really... Like, the stories aren't really about the technology, and most of the, the stuff that they talk about, like the Force and that, is more akin Fantasy. to, like magic in that, you know, Obi-Wan's more of a space wizard than anything (laughs) else. So it's like, I don't even, I wouldn't call it science fiction. They're just, they're very, very different. Yeah. It always cracks me up when there's like, these wars between things that just like like doesn't even like they're not the same. Yeah. And there goes Brett with a figure four. It's apparently very painful based on Diesel's screaming. Now that's a that's a picture perfect figure four and Diesel is trying to crawl out of it. Or at least counter it. Can he do it? I don't know who people are rooting for. I can't tell. This is one of the things I always enjoyed about the the figure four leg lock is it's a hold that can be countered onto the onto the person who put it on you. Right, right. Like you, yeah, don't... you just got to get that reverse it. And... Yeah. Changes the leverage and all that, yeah. You don't really see that with any other submission moves. Well, there's a reason for that. Right? <laughs> it's kind of a risky maneuver to, to use because it can be reversed like that. Right. 
I do love submissions. That's <laughs> that's probably my my favorite in all of wrestling. I don't know why. Just something very satisfying about making somebody tap out as opposed to just pinning them. Like you've broken them to the point where they literally are like, "Okay, I quit. Like, I give up." Sure. And especially if you, you know wrestlers and and the egos that go with them. <laughs> Tapping out must be a very difficult thing to do. <laughs> now, of course, this championship match is, is no holds barred, which means that Brett can, you know, or, or either competitor really can take advantage of that and use things like weapons and expose the turnbuckles like we've seen here. Brett seemed to have uh, injured his ear on or something, is what it, they're making it look like. Yeah, on that exposed turnbuckle there. Uh-oh. This looks like a bad time. Gonna do it again. There it goes. You can pretty much hear Diesel's entire... Like, all the cartilage in his knees just break down. Ew. And here comes Brett. Now, this is where I think Brett starts to... We're kind of seeing a little bit of a, of a heel, Brett. Look at this. We've got a cable. He's had enough, man. He's just going to destroy Diesel at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and this is such, like, when when Diesel goes to get up, this, in, in my opinion, this becomes a very dangerous spot for Diesel to be in. Mm-hmm. To sort of be restricted like that. Yeah, it's it's not. I don't know. It's like when they do like the the dog collar matches and strap matches, but this is like feels extra dangerous because it's not. There's not right. that um kind of like belt thing in between, like having this like thin wire wrapped around your ankle mm -hmm. can't feel great. <laughs> I don't know. Not something I would want to do. Now Brett's got a chair of his own. Diesel with a with a big boot to the to the face of Brett. Now he's got to try to get out of this. This knot that he's in, basically. I was trying to get the chair, but uh. Uh oh. Brett stepped on his hand. Now he's just gonna get beat. 
I think this is the the I don't know. I would say this is probably the most brutal I've seen Brett in a match. Yeah, I mean, this is we're definitely seeing a different side of Brett in this uh, than what we've seen in previous matches. Because I mean, I, I think you could even argue, like, even in his match with Jean Pierre Lafitte and Jerry Lawler, like he he never resorted to any of this. Mm-hmm. And this is against a, a like face. Yeah. It's like extra brutal. Brett's looking exhausted at this point. Brett's got the chair again. Looking to go up. Diesel knocks him off balance there. Somehow Diesel's, like, functional. <laughs> looking to looking to get that cable untied. Brett has the rope, that same cable wrapped around his throat now, thanks to Diesel. Got out of that and just choking out Brett Hart there. Looking for a, a sidewalk slam, I believe. Here it comes. Yep, sidewalk slam. I've always liked that move. I, I always thought that looked cool. It's not like a like a big move necessarily. It's not like overly complicated, but it it works for big guys like Diesel and you know there was a time when it was part of uh, the Undertaker's repertoire. Mm. Now. Uh, Mr. Perfect gave us a little bit of interesting trivia there. Brett's been in every Survivor Series since the beginning. So that's that's very interesting. And now we've got Brett... Hung up on the ropes. Big, big attack there on the on the Brett. So, Lith, are you gonna are you gonna try watching SmackDown again tonight for the draft? I am not. I have the 
I'll be going to the the Excellence Center. I don't know what they're going to be calling that at like 7.30 tonight. So that's where I'll be. Oh, that's cool. Hopefully they'll they'll post some pictures and videos from that. And probably mm-hmm. tonight or tomorrow they usually do. Um, they had a, a practice show last Friday as well. Mm-hmm. I was just the thing. The thing I love about it is that there was only like three of us in the audience. There's only three matches, and everyone still gave 110. percent It was like watching a private like show, but like everybody wrestled. Like there was <laughs> a thousand people in the audience, and it just like that. That's the qualities that you're looking for. You know what I mean? Like those are right. the people you want to come back. <laughs> So hopefully a lot of those newer faces that we got to see will will be seeing again in excellence. That would be fantastic. Um, I do believe they have posted all of the matches mm-hmm. up on their Facebook. It's probably on YouTube. Maybe there, there might be links through the website. I'm not sure. But if you want to check that out and kind of get an idea of what the, the new facility is going to look like. Mm-hmm. It's a good place to do it, um, but yeah, it was it was really great, and it just like I said, I just love that. Like, despite the fact that there's so few people watching, <laughs> it was just there's still like it's still a very professionally run event. Well, it's always even when you get a smaller crowd, it's always great when you can go out there and put on like a good show. Like you are, like you said, wrestling in front of say a thousand people. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody should be doing. Right. Like, when you look out in the crowd, and it's like, you know, you say there's only, oh, there's only 20 people, whatever. Like, no, like, wrestle like there's a thousand every time. Like, at least a thousand people watching you. Because mm-hmm. you never know. There might be eventually, especially now with, like, YouTube and everything else. Right. Even if the, the, even if the people making the, that are running the promotion aren't, recording if somebody else is mm-hmm. and also too i mean to the say maybe to the newer wrestlers like in the back right i mean oh well there's only 20 people to that you know to say maybe a newer wrestler oh there's 20 people right yeah like, <laughs> you know it's but uh yeah i'm sure i'm sure it'll be a, a fun time we don't really have anything going on Tonight I might go out to a to a game night that some friends are are putting together. Uh, that'll be fun. Uh, the wife has a lot of homework right now with uh, heading back to school. Very cool. Yeah, she's got midterms coming up, and of course uh, I wish her all the all the luck in the world with that. Same here. Good luck. That stuff's hard. <laughs> going mm-hmm. back to school is never easy. It is going, not. Going to school the first time wasn't easy. <laughs> Can confirm. And there goes Brett through the Spanish announce table. Aw, Spanish announce table. Everyone's super excited about that spot. My goodness, you see the crowd running to the barricade to get a better look. Right. And there's some kind of Arthur Fonzarelli guy there telling Diesel to end it. 
My goodness. We can hear the Spanish announcers just losing their minds over all this. We don't get paid enough for this. Is he going to make it back in? Is he Is he going to... You know, and I really want to give credit to that person in the front row with that very cool diesel power sign. That's a pretty cool sign there. I like when people actually take their, their time and make the, them so nice. Of course, this is still real early, you know, as far as, like, signage goes. You don't see it very like you don't see it as often as say we're maybe used to can't even get bread up for the for the jackknife ah oh, Brett's just out he's done He's, he's obviously losing this now. Oh, and there he goes, playing possum. Oh, uh, what? How could he? I don't believe it. And Diesel is losing his mind. And a jackknife to Brett anyway. We're going to take out some referees because, of course. And another jackknife. Oh, Diesel, why didn't you just... I don't know. What is happening? And the crowd's Everyone's dead. The, the, yeah, the crowd's pretty like split on this decision, and uh, pretty split. It sounds like on whether they want to cheer for Diesel or not. And there goes Diesel to the back. Defeated without his championship belt. I mean, there, there are definitely still some people cheering for Diesel at this point. And now we're going to get a, a little bit of a rerun here. A little bit of a recap. 
Honestly, it's amazing that they can do these recaps basically as the show's happening. Yeah, they they do that a lot. Even like nowadays, they they're still. I don't I don't I don't know how all that works. <laughs> how they know to like capture what moments and all that fun stuff. And a recap of the the two tombstones, the choke slam, and Mabel getting scared witless. And some of the wild card spots. And this is all the music that sounds kind of like The Undertaker's music. <laughs> Vaguely Undertaker-ish. Yeah. And then, of course, Brett winning the, winning the title there with that small package and again playing possum. Diesel not happy. <laughs> Diesel, Diesel smash. <laughs> Diesel just murders everyone that gets in his way. <laughs> so now I guess he's more heelish than Brett. <laughs> it's so confusing. I don't know. I mean, he just took out a whole crap ton of referees. Yeah. That's not very nice. We don't hurt the refs. And now Vince is closing the event out. Brits are like, I'm hurt. For reals, totally. Well, he did just take several jackknives. And uh, Mr. Perfect enjoyed the enjoyed the event here. And as we're as we're closing out the event here, Leith, what what did you think of Survivor Series? Did you enjoy it? It wasn't so bad. Like I said, like some of the the spots, like matches, could have been a little shorter, perhaps. Sure. It's just some some feel, felt like they dragged a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. obviously the the Gold Dust match was a little wonky as far as like the pacing goes, but I mean overall it wasn't terrible like we've seen a lot worse (laughs) a lot worse (laughs) so uh would you give this event say like you know maybe you had uh maybe you had the opportunity to purchase the event would you say buy borrow or pass on this i probably would have borrowed it i don't think i would have yeah i don't feel the need to own it it wasn't important enough for okay anything that i would have liked mm-hmm I think I think borrow is a fair assessment on this event. I probably would go with the same thing. 
because while it might not necessarily be uh, the best uh, event of the year or anything, I think it could serve as maybe a good jumping on point with a lot of the different, say, teams uh, that you're getting at this particular Survivor Series. You definitely have the opportunity, uh, especially like if you're uh, a you know not a wrestling fan, right? Uh, you definitely have the opportunity to be uh, introduced to a lot of different characters here. Right, right, for sure. Uh, and kind of get a gist of who the characters are. So I, I would say borrow is fair. I would, I would give this a borrow too. Sounds about right. All right. Well, with that, everybody, we hope you enjoyed the event. Uh, we are, um, with any luck, I'm going to have this up today. But uh, we, we hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Podbean. And if you really want to help support the show and, and, you know, help support the show for free, what goes a long way is always, of course, uh, just retweeting our content, you know, new episodes. Uh, you can also retweet our Kofi. Even if you can't donate, a retweet only takes a second and it's free, and that's a, that's a big help. Uh, if you're listening to this and watching along and you got your phone right there, check out our check out our Twitter over at at WrestleTimMock. Hit the retweet on that, Kofi, because that would very much help us out, uh, even if you can't donate. And, of course, if you want to, uh, you know, get something for uh, helping support the show, you can always head over to our TeePublic at TeePublic.com forward slash BobbyF07. And check out our shirts that we've got. We've got a couple up there. There's some really great shirts by some great designers. Uh, there's uh, a couple by my wife uh, over at Yvette Makes Things and uh, another one by the great and talented artist Adam Hicks. So please go check those out. Uh, usually T Public runs some pretty good sales, and you can even get a shirt for, say, like just $14 if you catch it on the right day. So check that out. And I think with that, I think we can say it's been a show. It sure has. <laughs> Sergeant? Yes, sir. Establish a recon post downstairs. Code red, repeat. We are code red. Recon plan, Charlie. Execute. Move, 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 move. It's a... It's a big one. Walt Disney Pictures presents a totally new animated motion picture event. Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Oh, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Booyah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody. This is my spot. No! I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything! You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw! me again. I don't like confrontations. Buzz, look, an alien! Where? <laughs> You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> oh, impressive wingspan. Very good. <laughs> oh, what? What? He can't fly. Yes, I can. Can't. Can. Can't. 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 This holiday season, the adventure takes off. When toys come to life. To infinity and beyond. Toy Story. Look out! Can. <laughs>